We are on the tail end of the Royal Rumble season this week here on Kicking Out at Two. Hello, everyone. Thank you all for tuning in, checking us out this week as we are going to be in a watch-along kind of mood as we watch the 1994 Royal Rumble match. The last two weeks, we've covered the, uh, the, the, the first losers, the second-place runner-ups in Royal Rumble history all the way from 1988 to 2018. And this week, we're going to bring you one of my favorite uh, Royal Rumble matches, a match that um, I ordered when I was a kid. I, I ordered the whole pay-per-view, I should say, but a match that um, I look at as probably one of my favorite Royal Rumble matches in terms of the storytelling and the action and just overall in general what makes a good Royal Rumble um, and that is the 1994 Royal Rumble match where we saw the first and only time where two individuals were co-winners and uh, not going to spoil it for you just yet but before we uh, we get into this watch along log on to your WWE Network right now uh, and as you get onto the WWE Network head into head over to the collections section and there is a collections section that's up with Royal Rumble matches each and every Royal Rumble match in its existence all the way from 88 to 2018 and you'll find the 1994 edition of this Royal Rumble match. The date is January the 22nd, 1994 and it's labeled a controversial decision and before we get into that, allow me to introduce my my, my co-host, my my shot caller here on Kicking Out at 2 returning to, to, to watch this Royal Rumble with me, Justin Rosenbluth. What's happening? Not much, man. I mean, the shots are few and far between these days but uh, I take advantage of them when I can, so good to be here again. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, it, it's fitting, I think, that you and I watched this Royal Rumble match because we watched this when we were kids growing up. This was one of the very few pay-per-views we were allowed to order um, because it kind of fell around our birthdays, so it was almost as an excuse for our parents to uh, let us have a, a little early birthday gift and, and order the pay-per-view. This pay-per-view took place on... Uh, a Saturday evening, you know, traditionally nowadays wrestling pay-per-views take place on Sundays, but this pay-per-view took place on a Saturday night, um, and so I was, uh, it's 1994, I was 11 years old, and uh, in the, during this time period I had a couple of friends over on a Saturday evening, I'm not sure if you guys were in bed by this time, because I know that, you know, you guys had a, a, a younger bedtime, but... Um, a younger bedtime, I should say, uh, <laughs> a, a a different bedtime than me because you were younger. But nonetheless, um, you know, we got to watch it the next day as well when I had uh, a birthday party full of people. See, over. that's what I remember. The and next day, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I've always told people, like, you know, and everyone has that moment in life where they're like, that's the first time I saw wrestling, or that was, you know, the moment when they saw this guy on TV doing this, or, you know, this girl on the TV doing that. Um, you know, I can never pinpoint when I first saw wrestling because I knew wrestling was around, you know, I've just been born into the fandom of wrestling, but, uh, this is probably one of my earliest conscious moments where I knew who was there, what was going on, um, and, you know, I was able to follow along. Like I said, I'm sure quite positive that, you know, while you were running around and, you know, in a Hulk Hogan onesie, I was, you know... In a, in a crib not too far away, you know, <laughs> in years prior. But by 1994, I think, like I said, this was probably one of my more earlier conscious memories of wrestling where, again, I, I was aware of, you know, who was who and what was going on and I and was, you know, uh, a, an operating member of what we know as the WWE Universe now. 
Very cool, very cool. Now, while you guys are still uh, figuring out all the details, log, you know, logging on to your WWE Network, I'll give you guys a little bit of time. Let's talk about who, who you know, who was what and what was going on on the undercard of the Royal Rumble uh, event. Because we're not going to cover this whole show. Just a reminder for, the, for those of you that uh, haven't been paying attention, we're just going to cover the Royal Rumble match from 1994. But this was... In all, all in all, this was a fantastic show in general for 1994 standards. I mean, um, we had an opening bout with the Native American Tatanka taking on and defeating Bam Bam Bigelow, who was a substitute for Ludwig Borga. Ludwig Borga would end up breaking his ankle at a house show um, in Madison Square Garden six days prior against Rick Steiner. So he was out and Bam Bam was in. Um, give me some of your thoughts and memories on that match, if there was anything to write home about. Um... You know what? Honestly, as a young kid, I remember enjoying the match. You know, the things that resonate quickly and that are, you know, ageless, if you will, is just, you know, the type of, it's gonna you're going to find this funnier, most people I think would, but the, just the type of energy and charisma that a guy like Tatanka brought across, the, you know, to, to an audience. You know, his Indian dance and just his entire shtick from the moment he went through the curtain was, you know, how could you not like that as a... As, as a five-year-old, you know yeah. what I mean? And and on the contrast, you know, just from the tempo that he brought to the ring coming out, going from that to, to a slowed-up, more brooding, you know, intimidating Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. You know, just even in the visuals, you know, Tatanka's headdress and, you know, the Native American colors, and then you go to the, 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 the black onesie, the Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> head with the flames and the, the tattoos, and Luna Vachon just very, just very just frightening. So... You know, again, as as a newly very conscious, carny, carny looking, yeah, and as a very newly conscious aware kid, I knew who I liked and I knew who I didn't pretty quickly. So you know, when you know, again, it was easy for it was easy for you to figure out who you were going to cheer and who you were going to boo. Yeah, yeah. As a five, you know, I I was I was I wasn't playing along at yeah. this at this point. Um, I was I was I was enthralled in it right away because it it appealed to the senses of someone like me because I was probably right in the wheelhouse of who WWF was was trying to, to lure into their arenas back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was a solid opening match. People were into it, from what I remember. Um, I wasn't, you know, losing sleep that, um, you know, Ludwig Borger was out, but I was, all, you know, looking back on it now at 36 years old, um, Tatanka never really got that revenge from Ludwig Borga after <laughs> Borga was the reason why he, you know, broke his undefeated streak, and he yeah. pinned him with one finger with a little help from Yokozuna. Maybe, maybe uh, they, could, they could take that act on the indie seat now and really well, tell I mean, Money. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Tatanka would have to die and go to heaven for that to happen because <laughs> Ludwig Borg is no longer with us. But um, the, the, probably the most emotionally charged match of the evening would be the next one, the WWF Tag Team Championship, as Todd Pettengill would say, the cocky Quebecers Ooh. with Johnny Polo defending the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championships against the Brothers Hart, Brett the Hitman Hart and... Owen Hart. Uh, Brett and Owen had their issues from Survivor Series. We were starting to see the little seeds of dissension. Um, is Owen living in the shadow of Brett? Yada, yada, yada. They they put their differences aside to compete for the Tag Team Championship. Owen wants to win his first title in the WWF. Brett's already done the Triple Crown in the World Wrestling Federation. And we're off. Um, you being a big... Bret Hart guy and just a Hart family guy in general, tell me, you know, tell me what you thought then and what you think now of that match and how that all played out. Um, yeah, I think you yeah, started it off well there as a big 
Bret Hart fan. Even then, like I said, you know, I don't remember my first time seeing or knowing who Bret Hart was, but at that point, it was well established already. Bret Hart was my guy, so yeah, I was I was on the Hart train, you know, wanting you know the 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 Hearts to you know take home the belts. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, visually speaking, you had a wholesome family on one side, and you had these just nasty, you know, even though they were law enforcement in the Quebecers, they were just mean guys. Yeah. And every, you know, and, you know, Johnny Polo, Raven, you know, as their manager, there's just nothing likable about those guys. So yeah, I was, I was excited to see, you know, what I thought was an obvious win of the hearts getting, you know, the tag team titles, but that was a very, you know, some kids talk about, you know, when, you know, Ted DiBiase used, you know, the, the, the twin referees to beat Hulk Hogan as a very traumatizing moment as a, as a child in their fandom. But I would actually put this one up there for me it, in my generation. Um, Bret Hart was my hero, and, and his brother, you know, kicking his leg out from under his leg. That's awesome. Um, I was waiting for you to say I that. was forever, <laughs> forever more not a fan of Owen Hart until, of course, he, he and Bret reunited three years later, which seemed like an eternity. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. Back then. Um, but, oh, my God. if there, You know, there was no one on planet Earth I hated more than Owen Hart in that time, and it, and it all started at the Royal Rumble. Um Wow, and it, and it actually set the tone for the the storytelling that takes place throughout the night as it relates to the Royal Rumble match itself. So, yeah, um, you know, looking back on it now as an adult, um, yeah, the the groundwork was laid for that night, and then moving forward, what Brett and Owen would do with each other, um, you know, for most of 1994 it was it was great stuff you know as as big of a hogan guy as i am i mean i had a tough transition with hogan not being in the wwf but um i i wasn't a big brett guy but i enjoyed watching him um and as as happy as i was and we've discussed it on previous episodes of hogan becoming the champion at wrestlemania 9 and as many people would like to shit all over that finish you know i still felt bad for the circumstances that brett's character was in having being screwed out of the title and then you know he won the king of the ring as a kid i looked at it as a consolation prize like <laughs> you know you're not going to give him the belt but you're going to give him the king of the ring and then you know i wasn't really all big on yankee doodle dandy lex luger i was hoping brett would get the opportunity at yoko and then knowing that brett was going to be in this royal rumble match and owen kicking his leg out at 11 years old yeah, I you know I was still kind of playing along. I knew it was obviously predetermined and scripted, but uh, you know the emotional investment I had into it, I was like, "Wow, is Brett really going to be involved uh, in the Royal it's Rumble funny, match?" It's funny, yeah, cause because like, it, he started to grow on me. Yeah, and over time, I felt I was he, they played the sympathetic card with him very well following that loss. And I don't know if that was by design, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you know, losing the belt to Hogan, going through that shit he had with Jerry Lawler on TV for a number of months, the issues that he had with his brother Owen, and, you know, heading into this Royal Rumble. Brett had a full plate of emotions that he was trying to sort out and deal with. And so, like I said, I was very... He had grown on me. So I, I remember after he kicked his leg and, you know, Owen walked off and the people were booing him, I felt bad for him even more. And I was like, man, I hope he comes back for the Royal right, Rumble right. match. Because they were saying, like, oh, he's not going to make it. DiBiase, who was on commentary, was like, McMahon, there's no way that's going to happen. And Vince was, you know, trying to, you know, 
be optimistic and hopeful of Brett's condition and if he would be strong enough to make it back to the ring and, and, and compete in the Royal Rumble match. And I just remember saying to myself, like, I really hope he comes back. Like, I really hope he comes back. And I was hoping that, you know, um, this would be the start, the climb to him getting his redemption and eventually becoming the champion because as a kid I wanted like oh well Brett's gotta go for the title you know he got screwed the year before against Hogan or against Yoko and then Hogan took the belt after so as much of a Hogan guy as I was I still had a soft spot for Brett even though he's he wasn't one of my favorites well Um, yeah and it's like I said it's funny you you say you know how invested you were as an 11 year old because at five you know I wasn't smart enough yet to to you know the wrestling business so yeah you know, hook, line, and sinker. I was, I was, in, I was invested, but um, you know, because even then, you know, even then, I knew Bret Hart. You know, I knew who Hulk Hogan was. I knew who all these other guys were that were no longer there. And you know, I, I even knew who the, the Macho Man was, who was kind of in a in a marginalized role at that point. But regardless of who, who you know, Yokozuna being champion and all that, Bret Hart was the Hulk Hogan of of the WWF at that point. He was the top dog in many ways, yeah. despite not being the champion, for all the reasons you just said. He he had kind of had every reason to lay claim to being champion while not being champion, which I think is, again, part of the genius of the story between everything he went through and was going to go through that night and moving out of that. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, even as a fan then, like, you... I, I specifically... Remember, even to, and I actually, I got chills thinking about it. Um, like I remember when, when, when Brett busts through the curtain in the Royal Rumble, limping and all, you know, like, like he was wearing a prosthetic for crying out loud, <laughs> um, and how awesome that was. Yeah. Because at that point, um, even though he, like, seconds before, I, I was not sure he was gonna be there, just like anybody else. But once he busts through the curtain, there was nothing stopping the hitman. Yeah. Despite the fact he had one leg, essentially. Yeah, and we'll and we'll get to that in in, in a few minutes when when it comes to this watch along. Uh, the the next match on the card was Razor Ramon defending the Intercontinental Championship successfully over Irwin R. Scheister, IRS. And uh, what I found interesting about this match, and I think this is, I mean. Not so much the storytelling and what took place and even with the finish with Shawn Michaels getting involved, but I enjoyed the element of them switching over to JR and Gorilla Monsoon for Radio WWF. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember when it happened, having watched... I've probably watched this pay-per-view more than almost any pay-per-view, like, played watch back yeah. ever. Um, just because of, again, my investment in, in the Bret Hart angle. It's a big part of your childhood, too. Oh, like for sure. Like I said, it was a, it was my first conscious memory as a wrestling fan, one of them at least, um, where I was aware, that is, um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I don't, re- I, I had to watch it back to recall it later, Yeah, like, I don't remember that at all, I never, I mean, I vaguely remember Radio WWF or whatever it was called, but yeah, that's just some of the things you, you find out later, or, you know, that you miss when you're busy falling in love with it is, is amazing. I guess on Pritchard's show, um, they had they had mentioned that when they signed Jr. Um, to a contract in the WWF, he was still doing a, he was still hosting a radio show in Atlanta, right. and I think th- part of his deal was was that he was going to head up this radio WWF division, and that was like he still had a love and a passion for radio, so I think they kind of convinced him to step away from that. He was still part time doing the radio gig while he was with the WWF, but I think they wanted they wanted to kind of 
appease him and get something out of it as well sure. by letting him do the radio thing, but under their umbrella, under their roof. Right, right. Um, and looking back on it, hindsight being 2020 in the digital age that we're in, I wouldn't, I mean, people still listen to sporting events on the radio, in the car, if they're out somewhere or, um, you know, through like, you know, apps on their phones. I think it's something that's very possible in today's wrestling landscape, not just WWE, but just in general with, with, with companies to maybe, maybe host a, um, you know, a, a, a radio themed, um, or a podcast, yeah, broadcasted podcast WWE. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I could see like WWE putting like you know if they do if they do a a, a B level show like an elimination chamber and you have your 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 A squad of announcers of you know Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and let's just say Renee Young, but then on. Podcast WWE, you have Todd Grisham, Byron Saxon, and then throw like a random legend in there that can talk that will just kind of like, you know, attract people to listen. You I know think what the I mean? forum would have to, the, 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 the presentation of that would have to be, have to be a little bit more distinguished in that, um, you know, it wouldn't, especially if it's a podcast, I feel like it'd have to be a little more informal. I don't think it would be, it because it would look like a B team. You know what I mean? It would look like they're throwing it to the B team, uh-huh. broadcasting. Um, like if they were to do that for like a match on a pay per view or whatever, um, just the overall delivery and just the the dialogue, I think, would have to be more of a relaxed environment. You yeah. know what I mean? As far as maybe they're not going to call all the action, but you're going to hear them BS about it as it's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like any one of us would, you know, on a couch. You know what I mean? I think if you did it that way, I think you could have something that could. That could go somewhere. Um, I mean, but at the same time, you know, you would call that alternate commentary. Yeah. You know, that you see on DVDs and stuff. Yeah. So it would be more or less the same thing. But I think if you did that in a live setting, um, or even maybe added that as something like to the WWE Network where, you know, they drop a pay-per-view instantly after it's gone on. And then maybe, um, maybe like the next week or something or some point during the week, you get a, you get the, you know, the, the podcast commentary yeah. of it. And, That's interesting. You know, yeah. I like and that. And did it I that like way that and, and it released it that way. Yeah. Or you could go and modify it. You know how you, you know, you can do it in alternate languages. Yeah. You get One alternate of the commentary. options could be like the, the, you know, the podcast commentary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you know, now that, now that I think about it and maybe I opened my mouth too soon, but, uh, you know, because with smartphones and the digital age that we are in, um, it's so easy on the go to be able to watch something on your phone if you're out in public. You know what I mean? I see people all the time, you know, checking the scores of games or watching on this yeah. app or stuff like that. You know what I mean? So maybe the radio aspect of it, but if it's a podcast and it's connected to like the WWE network or, or if they did, whether uh, it's New Japan World or whatever the case call it, is. Call it watch-along commentary, especially if it's recorded after the fact. Yeah. That would be kind of cool and you could get, you know – doesn't you have to be commentators? You could maybe get one person that kind of, you know, drives the car, if you will, a Byron yeah. Saxton, and then you throw in, you know, Xavier Woods yeah. and Rusev. Yep. You know what I mean? You get them out of their character elements, and they just call the act. You know, they could pop each other and make each other laugh. You know, I think there would be an entertaining aspect to that that you could throw into the WWE network. Yeah. Um, that you know, or you know, if you wanted to create a new device, you could easily. Um, you know, create like a, 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 a section of an app or an app in itself where, 
you know, you sync the app in a watch along form with the WWE network on your TV or whatever. It's pretty creative. Where you yeah. can watch that too and get that alternate commentary. Um, and I think people there, there's an appetite for that now for sure. Yeah. I think that, and I, it's a whole other, you know, it's a whole other animal that they haven't really seemed to truly delve into when they talk about podcasts, like, you know, Bruce Pritchard's, uh, something else to wrestle with or, um, Stone Cold's podcast or, you know, all those, those aren't really podcasts. Um, those are just interview segments. Um, and they're cool and great, and I watch them when they come out, but they're not podcasts. No. You know, they haven't really delved into the podcast uh, genre, and um, uh, th- there must be a good reason for it, because it is popular. Um, you know, they, they certainly have the capital to do it if they wanted, so it's really about, you know, the the finite details that we're not privy to that make that uh, reality or not, so. Yeah. I mean, not, and we kind of glossed over the match, but, um, you know, I just remember as a kid, Razor and IRS, um, I, I, I liked Razor Ramon, but I, as a kid, I can, I can vaguely remember not really thinking the IRS had much of a chance, um, but, you know, they put him in the Intercontinental Championship match. It was a solid match. Can't expect anything bad from these two. They're both good workers, good mechanics. Um, the, the inclusion of Shawn Michaels, yes. you know, we at the end was, was, was a nice little tie-in to really kick things off. Um, Kobe and I, on Marking Out the Days last week, um, reviewed the MSG House show six days prior that took place, the one where I mentioned that Ludwig Borga broke his ankle, Um Razor was wrestling Jeff Jarrett, and uh, Michaels had made an appearance. And Kobe, wa- Kobe watched this on YouTube. He found he found a fan cam on YouTube, and um, I think it was a fan cam. If not, if it was it was a um, uploaded version from the MSG network, maybe I could be wrong. But anyhow, it wasn't on WWE network. And when he watched it back. He said that that you know the interaction with Razor and Sean was like hot, like it. Even though they only drew nine thousand people in the garden that night for that house show, it felt like twenty thousand people were going crazy because of the heat that Michaels was able to bring yeah. during that time in nineteen ninety four. Now, right, granted, right, it's right. a New York car, it's a New York crowd, and New York crowds and North, crowds in the Northeast are always a little extra boisterous. But um, he was he was explaining to me that when he was watching this, that it was just it, it was. He was fat. He was fascinated by it, and I was fascinated in the sense that, like, you know, that took place in that building, and then just a few months later, they created history. The two of them together in that ladder match. Well, not by accident, I'm sure. No, I'm I'm sure it wasn't the case either. But um, yeah, so you had that there, and then the, the the WWF Championship match takes place with Undertaker losing in his signature casket match. To Yokozuna, as he, as him and Paul Bearer brought out the double wide, double deep casket for the rotting carcass of Yokozuna. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, you know, you want to talk about screw jobs? I mean, that was like the original right there. You know, Yokozuna had ten guys help him stuff the dead man in this in this casket, yeah. um, but. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was great, and it, it felt like a happening when I was watching it, like something yep. big was taking place. You yep. know what I mean? Um, even at the end, when he, when you know, they had him on the video screen, and he descended to the heavens, or whatever you wanted to call it. Um, I was like, oh wow, oh my god! Like I just, as a kid, I was oh, just enthralled yeah. by the whole process. I was blown away by it again, not being smart enough to what was happening. Um, holy cow! You know, one minute it's a sporting event, the next minute it's 
magic. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Um, the green stuff coming out holy of the crap, urn yeah. and then the, the oh, casket too. Like Blown away. I, yeah. I, you know, as, as cheesy as it is now, I it's hard for me to totally separate myself from exactly how I felt watching it as a kid. Like, wow. And if you think about it, that was like the original, very first, like, you know, smoke and mirrors, you know, con- you know, gimmick thing the undertaker did you know how many times has he been buried alive and burnt and died and come back and this was the first time yeah so, that's a good point um, i didn't even really think of that and, yeah. I, and i i've always thought i've always let's put it this way every time something like this has happened to the undertaker over the years in in other scenarios where you go back to this it, it, it to me it is always compared to this yeah and in many ways this one is the best one as far as because it was being the first killed off and eventually rising back from the dead. This was yeah, to me this is the best one. I mean there's been other situations where they have tried to kill off his character. Like you said he was buried alive a couple of times mankind yeah. and, and Kane at set one on point fire. set on fire in a casket Everything. a couple of times like you know what I mean? He was Everything. run over by a car like they've 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 done different things to um it's so to, much a part of his character the fact that he's been killed off and brought back to life and and the the anticipation of his return. His return, and if he still got it, and all of that, and what type of Undertaker are we going to see? going to come back and look like, yeah. Yeah, has, has been so integral to his yeah. character, and the fact that he's been around for damn near 30 years, um, and is still, you know, the the general, the most respected smoking gun that there is. Um, again, I um, this is the original. This is where it all comes yeah. from, is this one. Um, yeah. So to me, I compare this to the I compare every single one that's ever existed since, and probably will happen again. I'm sure. Every time he gets one. killed off, it's like it ain't like the '94. Yeah, Rumble. it ain't yeah. bad. They're all yeah. pretty good. No, but, yeah. But some are like, oh, okay, that was pretty good. But it, yeah, sure. Like it's when Kane lit the casket Rumble. on fire in '98 at the '98 Rumble, I was like, oh wow, that's yeah. cool. Like the visual of yeah, it, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? But when Orton did it again, and I was like, no, nah, like it just. It, they did it in 05 yeah. I was like nah it's just not the same but yeah. I mean like they've evolved and like as as much as his characters evolved the way they've killed him off at times and brought him back they yeah. evolved in how they've done it as well like well it took 10 guys to stuff him in a casket the first time now it's gonna take one guy to light the fucking thing on fire well, you can't decapitate him either so. yeah. yeah you know what I mean <laughs> they've done it all yeah, well, it took three guys to bury him alive, but now it's going to take his brother and a yeah. backhoe to bury him right, alive. You exactly. know? The way they've done it, they've upped the ante every time they've killed him yeah. off. But all right, we're about you know twenty six minutes into this uh, into this Royal Rumble '94 review, and I know you guys have been patiently waiting to watch along with us on the WWE Network of the 1994 Royal Rumble match. If you have not already, log on to your WWE Network, go to the collections portion of the WWE Network, and find the Royal Rumble match. There's Royal Rumble matches from 1988 to 2018. Each Royal Rumble match in its entirety. Head on over to uh, the, the 1994 edition. The date is January the 22nd. The 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 video is entitled Controversial Decision, and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a countdown. Uh, you know, you're going to get past, you know, the, the, the TV rating, and maybe there's a commercial for toilet paper, or the next WWE pay-per-view, but whatever the case is, I'll give you guys a countdown in five, four, three, two, one, hit play. As we open here with the Macho Man, marginalized Macho Man Randy Savage, uh huh, and Double J, Jeff Jarrett. These guys giving their uh, their 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 mission statements before they yeah. enter the Royal I, Rumble. I love these, and I wish 
you know, they do use these in a more modern sense today, but the up-tempo music and just yeah. the, they're kind of like, dun, dun, yeah, they're dun, just, it's dun, just a very dun, like energetic, dun. it's getting you hyped. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it was just, it's just super, it get, it just gets going, it's positive, it's exciting, it's the anticipation's mounting. Dunk I always, and dink here, we just yeah, saw Diesel I always thought these were the coolest ago. thing that they, Tatanka. you know. And, they, you know, they don't do these for every pay-per-view. No. You know? These are, like, exclusive in many ways to the Royal Rumble, so... You know, and I always like this as a kid when he when he tosses the belt out with the old and with the new. Yeah, I always thought that was pretty badass. I didn't like Shawn Michaels, World Wrestling then, Federation but, champion. Yeah, um, and then yeah. I love the backgrounds, like the set. Like, I mean, I know it's more modern now with a video screen behind them and L- or LED, but like, I wish they would kind of bring some of these back. You know what I mean? Like, like even though it's, it looks a little older and a little more cartoonish i always enjoyed the backdrops um like the blue with the white lines and they have the different logo it, you knew it was a big happening and a big event yeah, yeah when you when you had that as we see vince mcmahon and the million dollar man ted dibiase i mean how many commentaries did they do together it's probably the only, like one of the only ones right? this was the only one i don't yeah. think they really had any kind of i, I think this was almost like a like a throw together type this thing? was this was thrown together at the last minute because i think lawler was still, still going through yeah. that um that uh, issue with the uh, the charges against him, the sexual yeah. assault charges. Yeah. So this was kind of thrown together. They didn't really have anyone to play the 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 heel uh, color commentator. I thought DiBiase wasn't bad. People kind of shit all. Bischoff kind of talked about it on a recent eighty three weeks that it wasn't his strong point. But I mean. DiBiase was a good talker. I thought he brought something to the commentary when he was with Vince. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't give it enough time to breathe. But um, yeah, I mean, when you when, when you, as I think as we get older, we we, we, we pick apart things that just don't need to be picked. Yeah, apart. like not everything needs to be Jr. and the King or Heenan and Monsoon. Yeah, like, yeah. No, you're you are exactly who you right. are. Like, yeah. Are you is, is the million dollar man gonna be an amazing, you know, broadcast journalist? No. no. But is he bad? Not by no, I didn't stretch. think he was. No, you know I didn't mean? think so he was. I think that's a part of that's partly us kind of setting these standards based on what we like to see versus oh, what yeah. is actually good, and then we conflate that in a lot of ways. And here's Finkel giving you the 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 hour long introduction as to the rules of the Royal Rumble match. I used to always like these, you know, in later years when he would give the instructions, and then uh, Jerry Lawler would kind of be on commentary, like, "Come on, hurry up, Fink! We only got an hour left. <laughs> like, we get it, you know, we know the rules." Yeah, but to me, this is cool. This is like again. It, it, Oh no, I it's love exclusive it. Exclusive and unique. Yeah, like this is how this is laying the groundwork, and I think it's the battle royal itself so fundamental. Anybody Let's all ever... find out who drew number one. Yeah, as we see the first entrant in this Royal Rumble match here, Scott Steiner. That's right, the greatest mathematician in the history of professional mm. wrestling, rocking that sweet mullet there. Um, I was a big Steiner Brothers fan as a kid from WCW, and then when they came to the WWF, it just didn't seem the same. But um, you and I have talked about this, you know, off air, um, where on Pritchard's show they discussed the idea of having Steiner win the Royal Rumble a year prior in '93, um, which is just fascinating to me that like a virtual newcomer like that, um, that they that they thought. Or at least the idea was thrown around that he would win the Royal Rumble match so he soon. He would main event WrestleMania. And main event WrestleMania. You know what I mean? As we see number two yeah. entering, Afa with head shrinker Samu. I think the other way around. Head shrinker Samu is getting in the ring with yeah. Afa's in tow. That's right. Yeah, um, good, good call there. But, uh, yeah, back to the Steiner point. I've always thought that, look, you know, in many ways, like the War Rumble to me, on a large scale, 
mainstream could be pitched to an, a, a wider audience as like March Madness, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's you know familiar to people at yep. least as a as a as an happening in its own. Yeah, and and as we know, in in, in March Madness or anything like that, um, elimination style play, anybody can win, and I think one of the weaknesses of the Royal Rumble, even though it's still more believable, is that you more or less have a good five to eight people in your brain depending you know on the gonna year, that's going to win the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe in your brain there's a couple people that aren't listed in the match that surprise and win, but you know what? It makes sense, you know what I mean? But why not have the, the, un, the real underdog, not necessarily Cinderella story, but just the fluke out of nowhere... You know, someone who's not in the discussion. Yeah, exactly. Someone out of the that's that's out of the the, the realm of, of the discussion of who's going to win. And I think Steiner was a you know believable guy. Looking back on it now, that would have made Ooh, sense. Nice clothesline. So I don't disagree with uh, with Pritchard's idea at all. No, neither uh, do I. And I think you could point to guys now that could have been that or that can be that if they were to, to one year decide to kind of go that route. They can be like the Gonzaga of the Royal right, Rumble. Right, yeah, sense, exactly. You know? Just this, you know, I mean, look at mixed martial arts and, and Rick Steiner coming in. Number three. This was a big deal in itself. Oh my God, the brothers are in the ring at the same time. Like, that. I remember that, again, knowing. Yeah, and Rick wearing cow. matching boots. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how you know they're not really the Steiner brothers. Well, yeah, that was the thing. Like, when he came to the WWF, I think he had mismatched boots for a little while. I'm but sure then, that was you like know, a Vince McMahon Yeah, thing. I was like... Why is he wearing mismatching boots? Yeah. Next time, bring boots that match. Yeah. So. <laughs> Did you leave the other shoe on the airplane? What's yeah. going on, pal? Um, <laughs> but I think, um, like, yeah, if, if you if you had guys in there that, if you just had a guy that just didn't win, that was just not in the discussion, I think that would be, um, that would be really, really cool. But you can also go back to um, Royal Rumbles of previous years where you would have guys that not necessarily win the damn thing but guys that aren't in the discussion they perform that perform well. really well or make or, yeah. or, or make great eliminations like in 2002 when maven eliminated the undertaker that's probably as close to a gonzaga ncaa basketball kind of comparison uh, than there ever was in well the Royal Rumble. i would say the most gonzaga like i mean how could we forget because we were there santino at the 2011 rumble um kind of doing his best jeremy lynn and, uh, uh, yeah, look, no I one mean, knew he. No one believed he was going to win. I think we were all more in shock that holy, sh- he's the last guy in the ring that's about to be eliminated. Yeah, but, but none of us knew that he was even eliminated until he freaking scooted back in underneath the rope. Yeah, like it was. So it was, there was a moment where we were like, "Holy crap! What am I watching right now? Are they really going to do it?" Um, and I think and I, I lost the train of thought for a second, but I think you see it in, in mixed martial arts. Samu just eliminated after he took a uh, a cactus jack dive through the ropes and then eventually let go. As we see entry number four, Quang, who is Savio yes. Vega, um, managed by Doctor Harvey Whippleman. They um, you see it in mixed martial arts and boxing. Fluke wins all the time, and it yep. makes a star. Yeah. You see it in tennis too. This, you know the sport of tennis. Someone, yeah. someone upsets Serena Williams in the U.S. Open, and they are instantly made. Yep. You know, and and you have the power to control this, and in, in, in this in this wheelhouse in WWE to control who you're making just by a fluke win. Yeah. Um, and you can ride the momentum and decide to do whatever you want with it afterwards. The infamous um, green mist in the eyes of the dog-faced gremlin Rick Steiner yeah. at the hands of Quang. 
And, and as, as a good brother in an every man for himself match, he goes and checks on him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, you know, I think that goes back to the sentiment, you know, brothers don't fight. The, the Vince McMahon-ism, <laughs> yeah. um, which, I mean, come on. That's, I mean. I was kind of hoping for, like, a demolition moment in this Rumble with these two. Kind of like when, you know, in 89 when yeah. X and Smash started it. When I remember as a kid, I, I had Dean over, and we were watching this Royal Rumble that the night before. Like right. I said, it was on a Saturday. And I, rem, I, I think it was him that said, like, oh, I wonder if Rick's going to come out next like Demolition did a few years ago. <laughs> as we see the next entrant oh, right here. Heart. Owen Hart, the, fresh off of kicking Brett's leg out of his leg, <laughs> making his way into this Royal Rumble match. Um, and I think what this did, and the genius of it, I think, is there. But, of course, at five years old, you're not thinking about that. My, thought, my thoughts exactly, when, the, when he walked in the ring, he's, I just, I, he's just got to get his ass kicked. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and if it would, you know, from this point on, I was anticipating more... Bret Hart's entry into the match just so that he could get his hands on his brother. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of smart how they did it. We'll see, you know, shortly when some of the other entrants uh, come into play and how Owen's uh, exit um, transpires in this match. But it's very smart how they kind of kept the two of them apart from each other in this match. And it made you want it due to the circumstances from earlier in the evening and, and how it progressed and transpired um, in this match. You know, it made you want to see Brett and Owen face off more as Owen with a very anticlimactic elimination of Rick Steiner. Yeah. Scott still working on Quang over the over the top rope. Imagine a Scott Steiner mathematical promo about his entry and his chances of winning in the Royal Rumble. Oh my god, dude. You know? That'd be gold. That'd be like epic right there. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. He has a one in thirty chance, but uh yeah. 33 and a third yeah. or some shit like that. Yeah, you know, 10 of the other guys don't count. For those of you that are not aware, go on YouTube and look up Scott Steiner math promo. You're going to die laughing. As the next entrant makes his way into the Royal Rumble match, we have Bart Gunn of the Smoking Guns. Um, I mean, your earliest conscience... Conscious memory of wrestling was this event. Um, I remember you and I have talked before um, about you know some of your memories growing up, especially during this era um, in the the, the mid nineties. Uh, Bart Gun and the Smoking Guns. What are your what were your thoughts on them as a team? I remember for a while they did they had like the, the gimmick guns that they would come to the ring mm-hmm. with that would just like kind of shoot out smoke. Um, I remember yeah. that just being the bee's knees, just the coolest thing ever. Um, and the bell rang. <laughs> I mean, they weren't they weren't anything special. I know they would end up catching a couple tag team titles along the way, but I mean, they are impressive looking dudes. And um, I think as a kid, you know, you look at them and you and you you, you see them as legitimate, and they're carrying guns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's you know, it's like you know, growing up having toy guns, and you're like, you know, these guys have real guns. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's the it's like the merging of, like, an action movie and, like, what I like in wrestling, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, these guys, of course, Billy as well, um, just both legit-looking dudes, cowboys. I mean, there's nothing more of a character than a cowboy yeah. or a rancher or whatever you want to call these guys, but... Oh, super um, kick. Yeah, they were impressive-looking dudes. Here Speaking he of is. impressive... The guy that created the Diesel moment in the Royal Rumble match. Here he comes, Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Um, 
don't see many diesel moments in, in, in Royal Rumbles in recent years, but I mean, you can't do them every year, but this was the moment like for as the a original, fan, this, this was the moment as a fan where like I took diesel seriously. I didn't just see him as Sean's bodyguard. Was yeah, he was good on his own. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't theoretically. Say, yeah, I wouldn't say like, oh, like split him up from Sean. No, tomorrow, no, but, but like he, I was he, like, he was something. Yeah, he, he like that was this was the moment that like caught my eye. Like, yeah. wow, he just eliminated seven guys. Like, holy shit! Yeah. And you'll see it as the the course of this match goes on. Yeah, um, and I think for those who for those who are unaware of what a diesel moment or a diesel run is, I mean, you know, again, kind of taking over the ring and just eliminating everybody, and then kind of. Standing there waiting for the next entrant to come in and, and eliminating uh, said entrant There's before the right next there. one comes in. So basically, you're in the ring by yourself and you're just tossing guys out as they come in. Two. Scott um, Steiner out. So, I mean, we, you know, the, the record was held by not even a this diesel. Is it right moment, here, I Kane. Think. Kane was another one who kind of. Um, oh, he surpassed it at that point. Yeah, but like, you know, for those, you know, to, to give a where that all came from, Kane's, you know, diesel run was uh, kind of birthed from what we're seeing here developed for the first time. Uh, Roman Reigns, yeah, um, you know, not too long after that. And then Braun Strowman. In the, another the Saudi one. Arabian role um, that really doesn't count, but whatever. But I mean, Diesel, <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I guess they're, they're, they're combining the lineage because they say he broke the record for the most eliminations and Daniel Bryan broke the record for the longest time in the time Rumble. In the Rumble. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I think it's, you know, that that that's where all this came from, and it and it's that it's definitely more fitting for like a monster heel. Um, although your... we have seen a couple people do it, even on a smaller scale that are of average Ooh, size. Shit, look at Bob! Almost I got remember Diesel this. Yeah. Wow. Now, as you were talking, uh, Diesel eliminated Quang and Owen Hart, and you noticed because of Owen Hart's actions earlier in the evening, and you know, kicking Brett's leg out of his leg, Diesel tossed him over the rope, and the place lit up. Yeah. Um, because they wanted to see Owen get his comeuppance, and he eventually got it, as we now see Diesel eliminating Mr. Bob Backlund. Former from the... WWF champion. Yeah, that's right. One of the, I think he's the second longest reigning champion yep. in, in, in company history. Yep. Behind Bruno, of course. The uh-huh. late Bruno. San Martino. So that marks you know, Backlund, Quang, Owen Hart, Bart Gunn, and Scott Steiner. All eliminated from the fray. That's five. That's yeah. That's about five guys so far that uh, Diesel has eliminated in this Royal Rumble match. And like so, I said, this was the part where I felt he was he was a, he was a major player, or at least he was someone that that you just didn't look at as like a as a side a sidekick. Well, so let's play, let's 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 step out of the time machine for a second as we're watching this and okay. and um, who do we see as as candidates to maybe be bestowed this. Spot in a war in a future Royal Rumble match in today's landscape, yeah, where it would make sense, it would be entertaining. Um, it would obviously, most importantly, uh, put the guy over, um, uh, or really elevate the guy. Uh, here he goes again, man, Billy Gunn out the door. See you later. That's number six for Big Daddy Cool. Um, I'm gonna have to think about that one in terms of today's landscape. I mean, you could easily. Put Braun in that situation. He's already been there, so but I guess yeah, he he's kind of done that. Um, someone who could use this kind of a rub. Oh, and backstage at 9:49 Eastern Standard Time, it was Tenru and the Great Kabuki Baby. That's right, it was Kabuki-ish Ooh. as uh, they attack Made in the USA Lex Luger, um, who these individuals were hired by Mr. Fuji, sent from Japan. Jerry Jarrett. 
Is that Jerry Jarrett? Yeah, next to Tony Guerrero. That yep. is. Holy <laughs> shit. That, well, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably his only WWF appearance. That's I didn't I've never seen that before. I've never seen that you either. Just, you just you just mentioned that. I just, Holy cow. I thought it was like Rene Goulet at first and I was like, nah, that's not him. Wow, that's yeah. cool. That's that is very cool. cool. Um, yeah, those the, those two in storyline were sent by Mr. Fuji to prevent Luger from winning the Royal Rumble. They were the hired international henchmen to make an appearance in this Royal Rumble match because Luger, if you recall, um, had a title shot. Yep, Meat Sauce Mafia leader right here, Virgil, with that fuck money. Um, ready to mix it up with Big Daddy Cool. Virgil looking like a candy striper with that outfit and the little tassels on his on his uh, boots. But, um, yeah, Kabuki and uh, Tenru were assigned to take out Luger. And, you know, in the summer of 93, Luger had that one and only title shot against Yokozuna. And the stipulation was if he did not win the title, he did not get another title shot. But somehow, um, Jack Tunney and his infinite wisdom as the World Wrestling Federation president gave... Ooh, look at that stiff shot. Jesus. He's freaking lighting lighten him up. There you go. See you, see you Virgil. Oh. All done. Bye-bye. See you, see you when you're Vincent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um... Or uh, what was his other stupid name in WCW when Russo was booking? Wild Bill or Curly or some shit like that? Oh they came God. up with something stupid where he was like... I probably wasn't watching WCW he was the, he was, Yeah, you probably weren't. It was like West Texas Rednecks. He was, oh, yeah. He yeah, did yeah, something stupid. Was, I think it was Curly or some shit. Yeah, he had like the stupid little... like. Wore, yeah, oh my God. He wore the little badge and the little yeah, like the kid's yeah. cowboy hat. Yeah, he looked fucking silly. And then he eventually became like another one of Russo's stooges. Ooh. Um for the powers that be. But yeah, um, Luger got into this match. Um, even though the stipulation said he was not allowed an opportunity at the title, um, he managed to make it into this match, which was another big story of, uh, you know, heading into this Royal Rumble. As we have the next entry. Oh, yeah, macho man. Uh-huh. Thinking, thinking, thinking. And the crowd goes nuts for this. He's still the macho man, despite his marginal status. Yeah. He, uh... Still the macho man, still a legend, even back then. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and... Which is kind of sad thinking about it now that, like, they really tried to marginalize him in this era as hot as he was. He was still he was still popular, and he was still, you know, over with the crowds, and he was still good in the ring. Yeah. I just didn't... I mean, I get what this they were is, trying to yeah, do, Yeah, this but... is like what, like, Shawn Michaels ended up becoming in his later run yeah. know, in the 2000s, where, you know, he didn't need a title. You just put him in a, in a program with, with a... With anybody you wanted to elevate and 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 just, but the, just follow Macho Man, the you know I mean? just the follow the Heartbreak Kid. And he'll the difference with that though is there. that Michaels was a regular full time performer. Savage right. would come in here and there and work in the ring, but for the most part, he was on commentary on Raw every week. So right, right, like, right, right. Well, I maybe then, then I'll, I'll rephrase that. Then he, this was probably a more um, the infant stages of that of that role that yeah. that is now occupied by probably John Cena. Um, okay. Of just putting, of just you know, special attraction wrestler, big match wrestler, um, who's just always going to have a, a, a spot on an important show. Yeah. Um, I think here I, they were looking to just dial it back a little bit and make the matches more meaningful, but at the same time it just was ineffective. This again, the first time they probably did this. I like how the clock is sponsored by Casio. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I found it to be very interesting. I wonder if the Royal Rumble will ever be sponsored by the iPhone timer. Um, <laughs> as we see, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, as Eric Bischoff would call him, the worst-looking dick dancer. They, oh, man. With, you know, it's funny you say Casio. I was going to say they should do, um, they should have, instead of the, the, 
the clock going in the corner of the screen. It should be sponsored by Alexa and have Alexa counting oh, down Amazon, from 10. That'd be, that'd be cool. awesome. <laughs> did you say 10? <laughs> did, did you say... Did you say John Cena? Yeah, I know, right? That would be kind of cool. WWE, you better be listening. You might be on to something. You know what kind of sponsorship deal you can get with Amazon? Yeah, right. You know how many poor wrestling fans would buy a fucking Alexa after all of that? So they could recreate their own Royal Rumble with all their action figures with Alexa? That'd be pretty cool. And you know what? God, now that the wheels are turning, you have the countdown going with her voice, and then before the music hits... Alexa's voice announces who's about to come out. That'd be pretty cool. And then the music hits. Ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. Next is Double J Jeff Jarrett, and yeah. then they do dun dun dun. That would be pretty neat. That would be kind of cool. Savage doing the old skin in the cat as Double J does his strut. Letting Big Diesel know that he's in for. Oh, there we go, Macho Man. Oh, yeah. See you later, Double J. Uh-huh. Over the top rope, out to the floor. Double X handle the big daddy cool. Uh-huh. That was three Hall of Famers in the ring at once. That's right. That's right. That was good, old, just two. good old Double J. I'm going to meet Double J at the uh, the Pro Wrestle Fest convention that uh, uh, Mom and Dad got me as a gift for uh, for my birthday. Right, so you yeah. see, uh, I'm also going to meet Scott Steiner and uh, Brutus Beefcake. Um, as a part of my birthday gift earlier this earlier this month, as we see Corner Crush, Shaka Brother. Um, who well, he was now Evil Crush. Yeah, he point. was Evil Crush, yeah. And I love as a kid, and this is how ignorant I am, um, but they tried to portray um, Crush being from Hawaii as a foreigner, even though Hawaii is part of the United States of America. Yeah, it's not on the mainland. I guess he doesn't belong. Yeah, so like as a kid, I used to think like Hawaii was like a foreign country because yeah. Vince McMahon and all the other broadcasters created this narrative that because Crush was from Hawaii and he was managed by Mr. Fuji, that it was a foreign country. But I loved how before Crush became evil, he didn't have a thick Hawaiian accent, and then when he joined Mr. Mr. Fuji, he sounded like fucking one of the guys that Dog the Bounty Hunter would pick up. Yeah. Like, hey, brother. You know? Basically was Dog the Bounty Hunter before yeah. there was Dog the yeah, Bounty Hunter. Right. Oh, my goodness. I did like, the, as a kid, the vignettes where they used to show him, like, cliff diving and yeah. he'd be, like, you know, in, like, the, the, the beaches in Hawaii and, 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 like, in the junkyard, like, crushing, you know, different, you know, uh, objects with the... The crusher, so to speak, like right. like a car crunch, you know, one of those car crunchers in like those old junkyards. Um, and yeah, it looks like the diesel moment is now ended. But here comes Doink the Clown with Dink. Um, Doink, this is the second version of Doink. Ray Apollo is the first version. Mike Bourne was uh, no longer Matt with the company. Bourne. Mer- Matt Bourne, excuse me, yeah, no longer with the company. Um, yeah, Doink was. Uh, oh, Savage yeah. is gone. Yeah, off off camera almost. You know what I mean? Like just that's an elimination that you would want to be featured, you would think. Yeah, and you know you don't see many of those off camera eliminations nowadays. Um, you usually see especially with the with the you don't it's see the so, split you don't see the split screen element when a guy comes out and I bet we see it this ring. year though. You I bet we see I mean we see split screen commercials for crying out loud. That's true. But you know what? that's what makes it entertaining, you know? I know they want to produce it and they want every moment to matter. But the spontaneity of the whole thing, I think, needs to be put on display. If you miss an elimination, so what? You know yeah. what I mean? Don't don't yell at the camera guy or whoever's running the truck out there. Like, 
It happens, man. How many times in a football game do you watch something and you're paying attention to one thing, but a penalty took place and something else happened? Every play. Yeah, exactly. You see the flag later, you know what I mean? Or, like, they'll show the replay at the beginning of the play when the penalty happened and the flag was thrown, but no one saw it. At least the viewing audience didn't see it. Or, you know, just even even on a more, you know, regular level, you look at, you know, a a football play where the, you know, so-and-so scores the touchdown and, you know, you don't find out till after the fact how it happened. You yeah. know what I mean? A, a really key block or whatever, you know, how he, you know, beat the guy in a, you know, on, on offense to do it, you know, stuff like Here that. Here he is, like, a, ro- a rotund Bam Bam Bigelow and his flaming onesie with the carny-like Luna Vachon making shit. their way to the ring. Um, like you said, very intimidating looking. And, uh, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow was like, I wouldn't say the epitome of a pro wrestler, but in some ways, you, I guess you can say he was the epitome of a pro wrestler. The tattoos on the head, nobody had ever done that. Yeah. Um, that was very, you know, ahead of its time and one of a kind. He was, so really, going, he was really uh, going all in on the pro wrestling career. Oh, yeah, he, wasn't, yeah, he was know, not going to, you know, make a career in Wall Street anytime soon. You're not scoring soon. really any interviews, <laughs> um, you know. On any other nine to five, because we see an elimination here. Bam Bam launching Doink over the top rope, and which would set, which would not would not set up, but I mean they would work against each other at WrestleMania. Yeah, so that's a nice little you know nugget to kind of throw into the program package. They had always had their issues though yeah. prior to this with the the, the Survivor Series or Bigelow captain that team against the four Doinks, but it turned out to be the Bushwhackers and Man on a Mission. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying like just in general. Oh, like, this is to, another piece to add to get. Yeah, the yeah, 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 exactly. So we see a battle of the big men here, Just which like um, Macho and Crush, yeah, as well. Yeah, Macho and Crush had their long-standing issues. Yeah, Crush and Diesel working on Bigelow as the countdown clock has approached. We're at six seconds, ready for the next competitor to enter the Royal Rumble. And this is where this is the point in the match where things start to get a little heavy in terms of participants. Yeah, I always love that big screenshot—the guy walking past the other guy—and we got Big Mabel. Big Mabel, Nelson Frazier, mm. Viscera. Uh, is that, who's the? Is that? That's not Mo. That's Oscar. Uh, no, is it? That's Oscar. Yeah, okay. there was yeah, there was Mo, Mabel, and Oscar. They were mom, man on a mission. Oh Mabel, Oscar, and Mo. And Oscar used to wrap them down to the ring. Um, they were they they were very popular after that Rex and Effects song. Whoop! There yep, it is. They're all doing it. I think they were so, cheering, chanting. Yeah, in the crowd as he was coming in. And that's what really got them over was they kind of. They kind of attached and identified themselves with that song because I remember as a kid when that song came out, and then they, you know, these guys were, they were the, they were that demographic. They were that like, that urban African American demographic at the time in the WWF. You know how we always talk about how in today's WWE they they try to put a demographic with everybody based yeah. on you know ethnicities and race and and things like that. And at the time in 1994, these guys were the ones that the African American community had identified with. Right, uh, men on a mission. So uh, Big Mabel was. Um, was 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 quite the sight here with the the golden overalls, hmm. um, but the, yeah, this is the, this is the part where it beefs up in this rumble. You, you're not going to see too many eliminations. This is where it's gonna it's gonna get a little heavy in terms of the participants. Well, there's a lot of beef in the ring. Yeah, currently right now yeah. between all four of these guys, as we see, Sparky Plug Thurman. Sparky That's right. STP. <laughs> STP. Bob Holly, who would later become Hardcore Holly. I got an idea. 
<laughs> How about you give me the belt and I'll beat everybody? Which I think that's hilarious. Like, that's all. <laughs> You've heard that story. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, how did you get it? Like, to me, I'd be like, I'm sorry, who are you? Are you lost, sir? How did you get in this room? Yeah. Didn't you have your match already? How did Bob Holly, how did Bob Holly get in that room with important decision makers? Live from Providence, Rhode Island. Providence Civic Center mm-hmm. is the 1994 Royal Rumble. Other notable... Um, pay-per-view events to take place from this building would follow in years to come uh four years later five years later um in that very same building backlash 1999 the wrestlemania 15 rematch Mm -hmm. with stone cold steve austin and the rock um and then in 2009 10 years later backlash would take place again the night randy orton won the title in a six-man tag team match along with the edge and john cena last man standing match um, so, for a big show through Cena through the, the spotlight, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. You also saw the Edge and, or, I'm sorry, the Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy I Quit match, yep. Steamboat and Jericho, which was a pretty solid backlash card at that yeah. time. But it took place in this arena in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, Bob Holly. Look at that. Look at that outfit there. I didn't know who he was when he debuted like in this match. This was like the fr- he was the race car guy. That's yeah. all I knew. Here he is right here. The guy that would uh, would, would help establish um, the, the, the Iron Man version of uh, participants in the Royal Rumble. Yes. You had seen it with Rick Martel. You had seen it with Greg Valentine. But Shawn Michaels really helped establish that stigma further of if you weren't winning the match, you were having a long, um, you know, memorable performance and this was michael's first time that he would uh he, he would have that kind of iron man performance despite not winning the royal rumble match as we and see. i think what makes a lot of that um take place and, and that moniker kind of come to life is the fact that like you know Shawn michaels probably purposely and strategically was not and diesel eliminated uh Shawn michaels was not too far away from wherever a camera was as you see him clinging on to dear life and any piece of the ring he could he could attach himself to um you know and he was always very aware of where the cameras were to make a good moment i've always noticed that yeah just to just to at least to catch those up close moments where you can see you know grit yep kind of on display and just desperation on display uh michaels you know again just you know almost becoming a human adhesive Uh you know as he's People are attempting to toss the lightest guy in the ring. Yep. Usually, most times, uh, not more often than not, and he's finding ways to not get eliminated and and doing it in a very um, elaborate, entertaining way. So yeah, exactly. That's he's probably the one who really. Uh, there was Martel, you know, before him, but he's probably the one that has popularized that role in the Royal Rumble of just kind of being that hanger on. Um, Speaking of hanger-ons, here comes Big Mabel's tag team partner, <laughs> Mo from Men on a Mission. That was good. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, even though they even though they, they split the team up and, you know, Mabel would become king of the ring, Mo became oh, Sir Mo. And he you, was, know who, you know who he looks like? You're going to have, you're going to know the guy's name. I'm not, but... Um, Iceman King Parsons. No. <laughs> Thunderbolt Patterson. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um... The uh, the trainer of Hulk Hogan's character Rip. Yes, he looks just like him. Yes, the old the old guy. What Charlie? I think Charlie. his name was right. It's be, uh, sure, it's Charlie. We're I gonna call him Charlie. Charlie. We're gonna call him Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie from No Holds Barred, yeah. who has like no like two scenes in the movie, <laughs> um, where we're supposed to believe he's like this inspirational trainer, 
He was the um, he was the he was the Mickey to Hogan's Rocky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He look, this, that's him. That's him. He I, he also looks very familiar. He also looks like um, Apollo's trainer. The, the I forget his name in the Rocky movies. Who would eventually eventually become Rocky's Rocky's corner man oh, he, in Rocky he can't look Four. Look like both of them. Come on. I think he does. But, I mean, he maybe. I mean, given the size, maybe this one, maybe Mo ate both of those guys. <laughs> It's, it's like got, it's I'm, like a chi- it's like those Chinese dolls, Mo, Mabel, and Oscar. Like, oh my! <laughs> that's the one, that, like the one that like stack into each other. Here comes that's an Iron Man. Here comes an Iron Man right now. We just talked about right, Greg the Hammer. the Hammer Valentine, fresh off of a stint uh, wrestling in someone's backyard in a pair of gym shorts. Yeah. <laughs> you can find that on YouTube, by the way, if any of you are curious as to as to what that's all about. Head on over to YouTube and just search Greg Valentine wrestling in someone's backyard. It's a real thing. It happened. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame. And so. yeah, and yeah, exactly. He's in the so Hall of Fame. Don't, don't ever think he can't <laughs> go figure. You know what I mean? <laughs> the late Nikolai Volkov wrestled in a high school gym with no ring but on a mat, thinking it was a Macho Man memorial show. Shoot He's me in the, the Hall of Fame. <laughs> shoot, shoot me into the wall. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he did the Russian national anthem before the match. Oh, my God. If it was a high school gymnasium, someone from Drama Club probably sang it. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. As the action's picking up hot and heavy in this 1994 Royal Rumble match here. Um, mid-size Mabel getting his ass kicked. Mid-size, that's right. It seemed like he did get bigger after this. Like when he was Big Daddy V. Or maybe it was just because he didn't... No, work. I was talking about Mo as mid-size Mabel. Like oh, the Chinese oh, dolls. oh, oh, Well, I feel like Mabel did get bigger as, oh, as, as over the years. Like Especially when he wrestled as Big Daddy V, although... Yeah. He wasn't covered up. Um, he was covered he, up's a good word for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, he wasn't covered up in this uh, or in that incarnation of his character. Excuse me. Two, one. Next entrant in this Royal Rumble Tatanka. is Tatanka with a fresh coat of paint. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or a fresh paint of coat, whatever yeah. you want to, whatever you want to call it. Tatanka and Shawn Michaels here reliving their uh, their WrestleMania Nine classic. Said no one ever. <laughs> Um, Tatanka, like you said, he was he brought that energy, those colors right there, the blue with the Native American colors. I always been I, one of those legends too, especially in recent years. So he just kind of conveniently makes some little appearances here and there. He was in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That's um, right at WrestleMania 32 quietly, like no one it wasn't advertised. Like you know, he I'm just sure, walked down to the ring with yeah, the wrestling. Everyone like, was like, "What the like, heck is I, he doing?" Like here? I'm sure it was one of those scenarios where they called him up and were like, "Hey, you know." Um, you know, come sign some autographs at WrestleMania in Dallas, and uh, maybe we'll put you in the battle. Bring your gear. Who knows what happened? You know, yeah. or maybe you know, as a because you know, being a wrestler, you probably realized, oh, let me just bring my gear. Bring just my in gear, case. anyways. You never know when they're going to yeah. ask me to work. Yeah. Right. See, this is a perfect Iron Man, you know, hanger on moment. Just hooking the turnbuckle yeah, on the top rope. Up close, you know, interaction and that camera angle. You're right seeing there. the struggle. Yeah. Um, take place and unfold. Yeah, that was pretty pretty textbook. You know, a revolutionary at the time, textbook today. Yeah. Now you see guys hooking the bottom D- rope. Dolph Ziggler or... just doing his best Shawn Michaels impressions. <laughs> it's not much. even a Royal Rumble, and you'll see him do stuff like that. It's oh, like, I hey, know. Dude, relax. Yeah. You get it. You want to be Shawn Michaels. Oh, I know. He Yeah, he's he's over the top with it. Yeah. I he's mean, certainly he over the top. The, he can hit the convention circuit and just do Shawn Michaels cosplaying. <laughs> As our next entrant makes his way into this Royal Rumble match, it's the great Kabuki baby. That's yeah. right. And you know what? This Royal Rumble's gonna get Kabuki. But with the, but honestly, like as a fan, as a as a young fan then, and even you know since then, you know you don't really know who the, who 
Kabuki was. And then when you go back and find all his stuff from like world class and like other like you know eighties wrestling, like this, Kabuki is a big deal. Yep. Like here he's in typical WWF fashion. He's just a character. Yeah, he's you know just another I mean? guy on the another cog in the wheel. Yeah, he's just a character who you know says funny things and you know he didn't even talk. I don't think he just does. You know what I mean? He's just he's just all it's all uh, sizzle and very little steak. Yep. Uh, but. Kabuki as a whole, you know, in his entire career, was a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, world-class Florida, when he would wrestle Dusty with, you know, I mean, he he was attached to Gary Hart. He was a top guy. Yeah. You think about it, he was a top guy. Oh, yeah. Everywhere he went. Absolutely. And here, he's just another dude, and that's fine. Like, I get it, but... And we don't see... It's interesting to think about it, like... Here's another thing we don't see in the Royal Rumble. Sorry to cut you off, but we just saw it there. Mabel getting eliminated by, like, seven or eight guys. I can't remember the last time that seven or eight guys eliminated a big man and tossed him out of the ring. You know what I mean? Right. It's been a while since we've seen stuff like that in in, in most recent years. Yeah, we're probably due, I would imagine, for, you know... A, a Braun Strowman elimination if he were to make an appearance in the Royal Big Rumble. Big Show. Big Show or, or a Mark Henry. Um, but yeah, that used to be like commonplace. At least if there was one big guy in a Royal Rumble match, he was getting eliminated. And here he is, made the in the Express. USA. Lex Luger and the Lex Express. Yankee Doodle Dandy on the gas, making his way into this match. And he's a house of fire right there, working on Kabuki after that vicious attack in the backstage area. Um, yeah, this was... Uh, I mean, he waffled like, the shit out of Mo and yeah. Mo, didn't, Mo didn't sell that. He got knocked the fuck out. Look at look at Valentine. Valentine took a cheap cheap shot, and then Luger just kind of. And here we see Kabuki. See you today. Gone today. That's right. Lex Luger <laughs> eliminating the great Kabuki. Yeah, Luger was. Uh, I mean, he was popular, and I dug him because I liked Luger as just Lex Luger. I didn't think he needed the USA thing, but right. um, they tried to. They tried to. You know add a different dimension to him and you know i just remember his days in nwa as the total package lex luger and i i don't know i just even at 11 years old i thought like oh this is just another hulk hogan you know like they're trying to make him to be this you know american hero and i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of it as much as i liked luger i just wasn't a big fan of the, the usa aspect i mean i guess it worked for yokozuna but it's like the um he always reminded me of like fucking like Kurt Russell or some shit with his haircut and his just impressive <laughs> physique and just very like, very I don't want to say cool, but uh So you think Alexa or you think of Captain Ron? Yeah. I mean I, well, I, like you know what I mean? Just you know, good looking dude. No, I, I you gotcha. know America, you yeah. know what I mean? Um Yeah, I know even as a kid, like, you know, just So Luger could have been the hockey coach in Miracle? You know what? In today's Lex Luger, absolutely. <laughs> the, motivation, the guys on the motivational speaking, you know, circuit there making making his, his not now. That's a good point. He could probably he probably definitely gives a couple couple solid Lex. If you're listening, pay, take some notes, pay attention, and pay. As, yeah, and, and yeah, and, and please pay <laughs> and pay half that deposit up front. Yeah. Um, Tenru just making his way into the ring. Another hired henchman of Mister Fuji. Um, Tenru, a legend in Japan. I think he just retired recently, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, not surprised. Look at, look at that <laughs> awful backhand chop by Tenru to Lex Luger. Yeah, no, I, I believe it's just recently he retired. He's uh, he's no longer competing. I don't know if he's still involved in the business, um, but I want to say he had his last match recently as, as 
within the last year. Yeah. Um, I don't have the I don't have it off the top of my head here. That's um, why I got the Google machine. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you can Google, Google it if you it like, or I'll Google as we continue this action. Knife edge chopped to the corner by Tenru to Made in the USA, Lex Luger. As this Royal Rumble is really piling up. We have uh, Bob Holly, uh, Mo, Bam Bam Bigelow, Tenru, Lex Luger, Shawn Michaels, Tatanka, Crush, and Greg the Hammer Valentine all still in this Royal Rumble match as the winner of this match will be awarded an opportunity at the World Wrestling Federation Championship at WrestleMania 10 later that year, which, by the way, we are going to be covering on this show. Uh, March the 20th, check it out. We're going to do a special WrestleMania 10 watch-along. 25 years to the date that we are going to cover WrestleMania 10, the silver anniversary, as now we see the, the, the next entrant not making his way to the ring, which at the time during this, during this match, the announcers believed this was Bret Hart's spot in the match. Yeah. That he was supposed to come out and, uh, and, and, and enter this match, and due to the leg injury suffered at the hands of Owen Hart, he would not make it. And this is like the, the, the grim, you know, doom and gloom commentary from Vince, and, you know, kind of like really playing up the sympathy card. It's like, it's just not going to be, it's, it's not going to be the case for the hitman. That's, that's too bad his brother ruined it and spoiled it for him, and really playing it up for yeah. the viewers at home that, like, Brett's not in this because of what. Owen did and you know we'll be surprised in a few short moments when when Brett does make his way into this match um Sean here working on Lex over the top rope I was always curious as a kid and even now why Sean and Lex didn't work more during this era yeah you know what I really thought of those two in the same ring at the same time together to be honest yeah that's an interesting. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Or would it be? I don't know. Maybe it was. That was like on the. I posted a picture on the Facebook page of. Uh, it was a picture from a live event of Diesel and Yokozuna, and I always wondered, you know, why they didn't pair those two up in some kind of a rivalry. I mean, most people would say, oh, well, the match is going to be the shits. So it's two big guys and blah blah blah. But I mean, Yoko I, was no slouch. Though, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean? you know, speaking of no slouches, the the guy who invented the Royal Rumble Iron Man gimmick, the model Rick Martel. Minus his arrogance uh, making his way into this match. Rick Martel always was, even though he wasn't around as often, um, he was like another one of those, like, you know, individuals that was, you know, his character was marginalized on TV. But um, when he, because of his Royal Rumble, he kind of lived off his Royal Rumble reputation in many ways. Um in the years to come because he would yeah. be in this Rumble match he would be in 95 and they would always bring up Martel's uh, you know Iron Man like performance in the 1991 Royal Rumble match um, to kind of like hype his involvement in that upcoming uh, Royal Rumble match I'm sure they did it um, heading into this 94 Rumble match uh, Michaels and Martel, I just look at that and I think of SummerSlam 1992 and yeah. you can't punch the other guy in the face how creative, but how stupid was that at the same time? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, I, I see, I, I, I look at it half full and say that's brilliantly creative. It's a wrestling match. No, I think it's so, creative. But so I think, um, but yeah, it's stupid in the sense that we're just not used to seeing that. We're seeing conflict, yeah. we're seeing fighting, you know. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, in a work sense, this is still a mixed, you know, martial arts, yeah. a collection of mixed skills and disciplines in professional wrestling um you would think yeah that countdown would have clock to be part has of reached it. zero and um, coming Alexa out through the curtain yeah <laughs> will announce 
Bret Hart. Oh, here we go. And this is like, Did yeah, this... you say Hitman? Yeah. <laughs> you know what would be interesting, too, with the Alexa clock is if Alexa was, like, listing all the person's accolades as they were coming down to the ring. That actually would Br- be like, really Kind of cool. like what, like, they do with the, um, the Oscars. When someone wins an Oscar, they, yeah, like... Yeah, but it, this is their third nomination. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Bret Hart is a former World Wrestling Federation champion from three occasions. He is also a former Intercontinental champion and tag team champion as well. King of the Ring winner 1993 and future Hall of Famer Bret Hart. And then, like... That, <laughs> would, uh, that is a great idea. You know? Yeah. I mean, they list the accolades sometimes, like, on the graphics on the screen, but um, I think that'd be something that'd be pretty cool. You can kind of... I mean, I guess that's what they think, you know, the announcer's job is, but it would just be a, a, a cool different way to differentiate the match and yeah. make it stand out more. That would be you know? super cool. As Crush, classic psychology and storytelling, working on the leg that Bret Hart was favoring as he was entering this match, and, you know, the... The commentary in this match with Brett's involvement um, was really amped up. You you heard more excitement in Vince's voice, but also DiBiase playing that heel, where he's like, "McMahon, he doesn't have a chance. His legs are. He's stupid for entering this match. What's he thinking?" And it's just it made the story of Hitman's path into this Rumble match that much more exciting. As we now get to another entrant in this Royal Rumble match, Alexa. <laughs> Head Shrinker Fatu. Head Shrinker Fatu, famous from the Anuai family, one half of the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, would be later known as the Sultan, Make a Difference Fatu, and Rikishi Fatu. Future Hall of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. I'm telling you, man, we're honest. That's yeah, a, that's we, a, that could be, that's a real thing. Yeah. That let, could really be let's something. Make, let's make that happen. Let's make yeah, that happen. Alexa, be, uh, Alexa announced the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Would be an amazing thing. <laughs> but of course, in, in WWF fashion and in, in cost-cutting mode, they'd probably be like, well, why don't we just have someone talk like Alexa? Yeah. Which actually wouldn't be bad either, but I think it would be a nice little sponsorship activation deal. They'd probably get Vince to do the voiceover. Oh, you know what God. I mean? <laughs> it probably would, that would exactly be his... his, his d- d- groan when certain people enter the ring. <laughs> Ugh, fought two. Ugh, one half of the world wrestling. He's still champion, damn it. Who, who hired this guy? Tenru? Hey, Bruce. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Man, that's ridiculous. I will just stick with Alexa. because yeah, I, Alexa I mean, Vince, Vince will probably that's do more it. more of an idea. Yeah, Alexa's more of an idea. Vince is more of an idea that you hate. Um, as we see the, the competitors trying to eliminate Crush, and there he is. He's gone. Lex Luger, one right hand to the, to the forehead as the action continues. This is now Titan time. I don't think we're at 90 seconds. I think no, we're at just about a minute as Marty Jannetty making his way to the ring in full rock. Keeping it real. Yeah, keeping it real. Shawn Michaels. Ring. I know, yeah. They're, I, that's what I love about the, the, the Royal Rumble. When you when you get the old rivalries guys yeah. that have touched before, they're always been, they've always been very good at like consistency. Reminding us. Reminding us of what took place. And in some ways, I think it's obviously done by design, but I think in some ways it's also done to you know, not just remind us, but see if it's something that they can, you know, revisit, touch upon right. again and revisit. Yeah, you know? I feel like, like here it's, it was a little more... Um, just a reminder. Spontaneous, a little more organic. Yeah. Uh, a scenario where that has happened in recent years that probably was obviously more of a spot was um, Piper and Snuka. 
Oh, in 2008, the Garden, yeah. yeah. Like, clearly, one came after the other in the, in the Royal Rumble, and they did the spot in the, you know, in the Rumble, and it was... And there's, like, 20 guys in the ring watching, that just all, like, circled watching. Which is cool, which was cool. Yeah. Um, but I think you see, yeah, if you've seen it a little more on a spontaneous level, you know... This was it, yeah. Yeah, for sure. They didn't plan that, but I'm sure, or maybe between the two of them, Sean and Marty, they were like, okay, when you get in, we're going to go after each other, but I don't... You know, there certainly wasn't something I don't think that was... Um, they kept up with the spotlighted. Con- yeah, they kept up with the continuity. I remember it, in uh, the '96 Rumble, Michaels was a good guy and he was the favorite going into the match, and Janetti was involved. And they still they still hooked it up and mixed it up, even though Janetti yeah. was a good guy too. They still had that like rockers history, the tension between the two of them. As Number we see, thirty. One of my guilty pleasures in all of wrestling, oh. Adam Bomb, right here. Adam Baum, unbelievable. Uh, a guy who looks very impressive. Um, if Hulk Hogan were to wear a singlet, that's what that's what it looks like. <laughs> that's um, what's his name? Not not Brian Clark. No, yeah, no him. I'm just trying oh, to think oh. of um, the Renegades. That's like the Renegades outfit. Remember the Renegade? Oh yes, that's right. The yeah. Renegade who was like the the Ultimate Warrior 2.0 or something. Yeah, he was the the Aldis of <laughs> yeah, of yeah, Ultimate Warriors. Of Ultimate Warriors, yeah. Um, I just remember as a kid, like, the color scheme. I mean, I'm, I'm big on colors and, like, things popping out at you. And that's part of the reason why I like some guys. Like, Michaels, I was always very attracted to Shawn Michaels, you know, as a character because of his his look. Same thing with Randy Savage, especially. Oh, you know, the, the different color schemes and the, the, the outfits. And this was one thing, like, I just thought the name was cool. Adam Bomb. Look at him. He's enormous. He looks like he could, you know, drop a bomb on you, like, yeah. as a kid. Like, I just thought, it, granted, he didn't bring much to the table from an in-ring standpoint, but, god damn, he was an intimidating-looking son of a bitch. That could also be his name, too. It's not like he's, like, Adam... Ticking time nuclear warhead. He's yeah. Adam Bomb. Yeah, like someone's last name is Bomb. It's yeah, not crazy to think like that. You know what I mean? As opposed to Tatanka. Yep, uh, that could be a name too. You know? Yeah. I mean, let's be fair. That that could be a name. Yeah, that could. Um, any of those guys actually could have a name. This is the more real. You know, despite the fact everybody's uh, character was a vocation at the, around this time, or was getting to that point. Um, these people had a little bit plumbers, of garbage men, yeah. yeah. But um, everybody was kind of more or less dentists, legit. yeah. Hog farmers, oh, yeah. yeah. What do we got for vocations in here right now? Uh, we have. Um, we do have a guy who works in a nuclear reactor. We have a model, him. Rick Martell. He can, yeah. you know, be a model. Um, I guess you would say we got a, um, we got a rapper and Mo. Mo's a rapper. Um, I mean, Greg the Hammer Valentine, I guess he would be working in Home Depot if you were. Does does Tatanka, does he own or operate a casino? Um, I don't know. I mean, he looks like he's got pit boss material. I don't know if he owns an yeah, operator, he's, 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 he's got stake in it as a yeah, as a he's Native got, American. Yeah, he's got sure. stake in it. I don't think he's running the whole show, but he's got a piece of the action and there. And Lex Luger is, is Kurt Russell. That's his vocation. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. What would Sha- Shawn Michaels would be a gigolo because he's a sexy boy. So Shawn Michaels basically whores himself out. The to only him. one who doesn't have a vocation is probably Bret Hart. <laughs> I mean, what would Bam he's Bam just Bam Bret Hart? He's what, just <laughs> what would Bam Bam Bigelow be? If this he's, was a, a, he's he's definitely running a carny stand. He's a carny stand. You know what okay. I mean? Whether you know whether it's the fucking um, you know the balloon darts. <laughs> okay. Or, you know, or he's or you have to like toss the ball to the hole and but the ball's too big. Step for the right hole. up. Show yeah. me your strength. Yeah. Yeah. He, that's that's yeah. He looks bam bam big. Arm wrestle me for a dollar. Yeah. yeah you got, like he. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, right, he, what would Fatu be? Fatu? What his? What was? Oh, he would definitely be like. He would definitely like be working like at a resort. Oh, you okay. Know, like so dock, he's dockside, like you know, if you're at an all-inclusive resort, like, and you want to learn how to like slice a pineapple with a machete, like, or like he's going, doing like, fla- he's doing like flare cooking, or, <laughs> or, or if he's going marlin fishing, yeah, like a sandals resort. Yeah, Come on, brother. Yeah, he's taking you out for the boat ride, brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fun too. All right, so we've got just about Bret Hart's Bret Hart, and who's left in this group? Uh, um, Marty Jannetty. Marty Jannetty. In un- fairness, he doesn't. He's unemployed. Yeah, unemployed. That's his exactly. vacation. He's unemployed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how fitting is that? Yeah. He's unemployed. Tenru. T- he's so collecting unemployment. Tenru's collecting unemployment. No, or is he Tenru, working at no. a hibachi steakhouse. Uh, I don't want to get too nasty with this. Um, <laughs> I know. I think I just did. Yeah. Uh, Tenru. Uh, Tenru's kind of like a Bond villain. He's like he's like one of the the, the henchmen to Odd yeah. Job, or he is like the like you know it's like like when Chris Tucker gets like shimmied up like you know the back stairwell of the restaurant and they're trying to find the little girl in rush hour like <laughs> Tenru's the boss, you know what I mean? He Tenru kidnaps Sue Young. All right, I all right, I get up behind it. All right, so we have a pit boss in Tatanka. We have an. Um, a pineapple slicing island resort associate, member yeah. in uh, associate in Fatu. Shawn Michaels is a gigolo. Adam Baum works at the a nuclear, nuclear plant in Springfield with the Simpsons and yeah. with Homer Simpson. Yeah. Greg Valentine works in the hardware department at Home Depot. And he's eliminated. And he's so eliminated. Back to work he goes. Rick Martell is a model. Uh, Marty Jannetty still unemployed. Yeah. Bam Bam Bigelow is he's a carny. He's a carny. Luger's a Luger's a Kurt Russell, and Mo's a rapper. And Bret Hart's Bret Hart. And yep. Rick Martell's eliminated. <laughs> Back to the yeah. runway we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's and this is the field of the competitors. This that is are their left. part these are their part this is their part time gig yeah. wrestling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> this is their walking around money, yeah, as yeah. they like to say. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of walking around, Adam Baum's gonna have to walk around the rest of the ring, and head back to the dressing room because he has now been eliminated thanks to Lex Luger. Back to Adam Baum though. I remember what, watching this and like they heavily hyped and still do the um, the the favoritism that you receive as the number thirty entrant every year, and they'll you know say things like the odds-on favorite, especially back then. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you know when Adam Bomb, see um, you, Tatanka, when Adam Bomb walked out, it was like, all right, your winner of this year's Royal Rumble is gonna be Adam Bomb, or yeah. like it, it's and they did it in years past, like it was just like, especially the heel commentator would always, uh, especially if it was a heel, would always cling on to that nasty bastard who would walk out at number 30 because of the odds that they have to win. Um, it doesn't happen as much anymore because they, you know, by the numbers, you know, yep. the 30th entrant doesn't always get you uh, such um, great chances. But Yeah, uh, it's been done But definitely back times. here, definitely here, uh, this time in world history, still, despite having no 30th entrant win at this point yet, it was still considered a huge thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it almost, like, restacked the deck in the match. Oh, yeah. Bam Bam Bigelow up. Doing bam a, Bam Bigelow up. doing a flare bump. Yeah. <laughs> Lex Luger. Oh, here we go. Janetti gone. Thanks to Shawn Michaels. And now we have Kurt Russell. We have the Gigolo. We have the evil Bond character. And Bret Hart and Kurt, and uh, and the Island Boy. 
the, the pineapple slicing uh, vendor yeah, at, the, right. at the Sandals Resort. Yeah, all inclusive. <laughs> all inclusive. He's gonna he's gonna be dicing up fruit, and it's gonna and he's gonna do it's gonna be like flair, all fancy. <laughs> Um, not Flair, Ric Flair, like Flair, like, you know, with Flair. Fatu makes edible arrangements. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yes. Fatu works for edible arrangements. That's his new job. Yeah. <laughs> There's an edible arrangements now on yeah. site at Sandals Resort. Book your trip now <laughs> through Priceline.com. <laughs> Everybody's got a Priceline.com. <laughs> <laughs> We've really gone off the rails with this one. This yeah. has been good. And we're down to the final five, um, which is not a very um, appealing... Tenru can beat Lakeland. So I actually looked it up, and Tenru's retirement match took place on November 15th, 2015. Okay, so it was a couple of years ago. He right. was defeated by Okada. Oh, Kazuchika Okada, yeah. the Rainmaker. Yep. And what Tokyo Sports, according to Wikipedia... Uh, dubbed as the 2015 match of the year. Oh boy! All right. Well, it's Tokyo Sports, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, was it in the Tokyo Dome? I uh, don't know. <laughs> did Okada wear long pants or short? And did the fans go crazy when he pulled off his ring gear? <laughs> well, I th- what I think, what I think probably made it such a great rating, at least in the eyes of like Dave Meltzer, is that like before the match, Okada probably tweeted out to Kenny Omega. Therefore, the match had already started beforehand with three stars. Omega wasn't even in the match. Yeah, it already had three stars before the match even started. Because Omega Omega was tweeted, and then he retweeted it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. And now we're at the final four. Lex Luger and Fatu, you should know better. Lex, the headbutt doesn't work. He's a Samoan. They they can take headshots. (laughs) Samoans Samoans are, are, are... Void to CTE. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the moment? I mean, they're void to shoes, too. Yeah. So. At least in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, they, they wear. Uh, they they wear foot gear. Yeah, they've come they've come uh, they've progressed they've come a long way. They've progressed in in, yeah. in, in pro wrestling society. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Bret definitely. Hart here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely come a long way since day one ish. Oh, I know. They've been down since day one ish. Um, Michael's putting it to Brett. Here you see Michael's now working on Luger, going to help Fought Two with a double suplex here. Um, in the Royal Rumble runner-up uh, episodes that I did just these last few weeks, the the I covered uh, Michael's and Fought Two, um, and as as both being runners-up because if you go back and you'll see here. Um, as, as the, the closing moments of this match um, takes place, both guys were practically eliminated simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and I kind of talked about the trajectory of these two individuals um, going into that year's WrestleMania. Fatu would be left off the card. Oh, here it is. One, two. Oh, Fatu gone. Then oh. Michaels. Michaels took a, a post shot right there. Yeah. And this was the point in the night where uh, Dean and I were watching this and I was like, Brett's winning. He's like, nope, it's Lex. And I was like, nope, it's Brett. And we were just kind of going back and forth. Like, as this was going on, as these two, you see the guys in the yeah. front row, they're putting their coats yeah, they on. They know, they yeah. know. They know it's time yeah. to go. <laughs> but right here, up, over, and out. They're like, I guess we're not leaving. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> and look, the other guy's got his hands up, like, what the, what the hell? Yeah, this was, this was, this is a cool moment. This is yeah. why I love this Royal Rumbles, because of things like this. And, I get why they why they wouldn't be able to successfully pull 
a finish off like this again in today's in, in today's wrestling, or at least in WWE, with all the different camera angles and people with camera phones and cell phones and stuff like that. But this was cool. I love this. Yeah, I thought I was, even at my age, watching this happen, my rationale for why Brett won is because Lex Luger was taller than him. So his feet had to touch. That's that's kind of like what I. That's like I don't remember saying that, but that's kind of like what I was thinking because Luger did have longer legs. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a dumb logic when you think about it now, but yeah, that but was like at five years old. Like he's taller. His I was eleven. You were five. It's not, it's. I wouldn't consider it dumb logic, but I mean, at least we were thinking at that age. Yeah. Here you see Brett limping his way up, and they announced Lex Luger as your winner of the 1994 Royal Rumble, basking in the glory. But wait. Howard, how could you fuck this up? <laughs> Jesus. Earl. <laughs> Are tell you sure? Won. Just tell just just tell me who won. <laughs> okay, alright, we got it now. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, your winner of the nineteen ninety-four Royal Rumble. And it literally went just like that. Yeah. It was Oh, is he is he still announcing it? Probably. Yeah. Probably. So I, I kind of. Oh, yeah. The Hitman Heart. But they didn't. I don't think at this point they were, they were just putting the music on. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they they would. Yeah, but actually, you know what? You're right. He didn't. They even, didn't say names. They didn't say names. They just played the music. Yeah. Which. Was it, which was great. It's interesting because I didn't realize that. Yeah. I well, didn't realize. I, I remember that. Brought that point up. I remember that as vividly as a kid. What like. Luger's music, the yeah. Pratt's music, the Luger's music. The Look Pratt's at the music. irony in this, okay? You might not remember this, but I kind of covered this on an edition of Marking Out the Days with Kobe on uh, Retromania. Um, we covered uh, the Hogan-Orndorff steel cage match with the double finish, where yeah. they both landed at the same time. Joey Morello was a part of that finish as the referee. The other referee that he was disputing with was Danny Davis, who was the bad guy referee at the right. time. He was kind of in the back pocket of uh, Jimmy Hart. Um, it's interesting that Joey Morello... Uh, would also be a part of this finish as well, right. which makes you kind of wonder. Oh, here he is, the the the. Uh, it ain't Vince McMahon the, strutting his way. The down. silent majority of the mm. World Wrestling Federation, yeah. uh, Jack Tunney, which like we talked about on our um, on our uh, Authority Figures episode, um, which is over in the archives over at SoundCloud.com, where we discussed prior wrestling television authority figures uh jack tunney was only present when it mattered when it counted he didn't make every decision every single week on tv but in this case he had to come out and and and, and figure this whole situation out yeah um which made it even more important which made it which made the moment you know that much more important as we see the um the camera angle here in but you could all look at just showing that right there. You could also make an argument that that Brett, that Brett landed yeah. first, even though Luger's legs were longer. You could make an argument that Brett landed first. But um, this was this was like nail as, a, as eleven years old. This was like nail biting, fascinating stuff. Um, and I remember the next day, um, like I said, I had Dean over and we had like a sleepover and watched this because this was on a Saturday, and then the birthday party was on a Sunday. I remember my friends coming over and be like, "Who won the Royal Rumble?" I'm like, "You have to watch it." <laughs> like, it was like <laughs> letting Howard in on it. Yeah, and Finkel's like, he's Just like, "Tell me who won." Yeah, who won? Are you sure? <laughs> okay. All right. I'll make the announcement. Okay. All right. You got it. Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, 
Ladies and gentlemen, your winner of the 1994 WWF Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh my god. It was it was brilliant though. <laughs> it was Are you sure? <laughs> Both? What? Both? Huh? <laughs> I wanna know, damn it. Yeah, Brett's like, I wanna know. Luger's like, what are you telling me? Are you him? talking to this guy? Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, nail biting edgier seat Ooh. stuff. Me and Dean were like, come on, pick a winner, god damn it. And like we were just like, huh? And you this is great. Brett's trying to get the crowd riled up. They're pretty into it. Luger's just being Luger. Luger thinks he can get by on just his looks. Um, as we see another camera angle here. Getting you set and ready for... Oh, there it is. Right there. I think we got a winner. Nope, we don't. Another replay. This is just some great stuff. I love going back and watching this shit. This is so cool. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the 1994 WWF Royal Rumble... The winners are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I can't believe I'm saying Bret this. Hart and Lux Luger. And everyone's just like, huh? People look. I mean, we, we talked about it earlier. People need to find reasons to bitch about stuff to the, in today's landscape when it comes to wrestling. But, man, this is. This this finish holds up for me even today in 2019. Oh, no doubt. Five years later, no doubt. This is yeah, this is entertainment. So there's just there's always another layer to it, and this is kind of turning the page to the next the next part of the story. So you know, if this was a real sport, yeah, tie would be like kissing your sister, but this yeah. is this is not like that at all. There's ties in football in the regular season. Yeah, but, I mean, mean, but the but the, the I mean, this the, is the, the, the two teams that tie don't go and meet the the Super Bowl. Opponent, yeah, it's not a, it it's out. not a triple threat Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, like here, you know, that, that's the that's that's the leeway you have here. There's, that's the framework you got to work with here. What so. I liked about this too was also that, like, you know, both of these guys were like, this was the new generation version of like Hogan and Savage. Yeah, in terms of like the two top good guys and. Granted, I feel like that night in Providence, the crowd was more behind Brett than Luger for sure. I think that you know they were really starting to let us know that Brett was the guy. Yeah. But I, I love this shot here, the wide shot, and then they meet in the middle and they come up and they kind of shake hands with like the old WrestleMania music. Yeah. And it was really like setting the tone for like, well what's gonna happen? Who's gonna get the title shot? This, this is, is great. Yeah. And the handshake right here, like the 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 good game. Yeah, like. good game, the show of respect. Like this this to me is why this is one of my favorite Royal Rumble matches of all time. Like, just this, the, the whole story with Brett and even Luger, and it was just truly, like, it just takes me back to when I was a kid as we yeah. close out this watch along. There was here. no WrestleMania sign to point to either. No, there certainly. Yeah, but that's what the music, I think, was. There certainly wasn't. And um, as we will see here on, uh, you know, on, on, on the road to WrestleMania, um, Luger and Brett will eventually. Um, flip a coin to determine who gets the title shot first and uh we'll be covering like i said we'll be doing a special watch along of wrestlemania 10 march the 20th here on kicking out at 2 25 years to the day celebrating the, th the silver anniversary of the 10th wrestlemania from madison square garden which was a big deal in 1994 at the time um that card was uh, a, a very fun show loaded and certainly uh one for the books but um Closing thoughts. All right, so we're going to do two things. One, give me your closing thoughts on this Rumble match. 
And then let's just do some quick picks as far as uh, this Sunday's Royal Rumble. Closing thoughts here. Um, it's definitely one of my favorites. Like I said, for a lot of reasons already. Um, I just think there's a lot of drama from, from start to finish in the match. Yeah. Um, and I think it definitely gets topped off. And there's no sour grapes about the the, the the controversial decision of announcing two winners. So I think, you know, really, as, as a fan of Brett, it kept, it kept the pursuit alive. Yeah. As far as him getting back to where he deserved to be. Um, so yeah, there was a, it definitely set the table for what was coming. It was you know a, a true, almost in many ways the the beginning of what we now know as the road to WrestleMania. That wasn't a thing I feel like until here. Yeah, you know I mean, granted the, the the Royal Rumble winner becoming the number one contender for the title WrestleMania started in nineteen ninety three. Uh, this is the year where they kind of like molded that um, that track that arc. Of Rumble to Mania, and it started here at this Royal Rumble. It also kind of created that 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 uh, that perception that like anything could happen between now and WrestleMania based off of that finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like nowadays you have one, maybe even two pay per views, but in between the Rumble and Mania, and all kinds of you know twists and turns and swerves, you know, take place to to kind of keep you guessing or lack thereof to most the smart fans or they think they're smart. They think they have it all mapped out and figured out. But um, yeah, this is one of those situations where like it was it, it, it made you guess as to what direction they were going to go because there was multiple winners. Now, um, like I said, one of my favorites. I love watching it. We grew up watching this. This is, like you said, the, the, the most conscious memory your earliest memory of being aware of what was going on in wrestling. Um, fond, a fond memory of mine because I ordered it on pay-per-view. I always like to watch the stuff that I haven't seen before, but I also particularly like to watch the stuff that like I used to order as a kid on pay-per-view because we didn't get pay-per-views very much. It was right, right. far between. A lot of times it was in our bedroom and we created our own radio WWF with the, yeah. squig- with the squiggly lines listening to yeah. all the broadcasts. So, no doubt. Um, this is particularly a special one for me. Um, now let's kind of just shift gears. This is more of a retro show, like I always say, but with the Royal Rumble this Sunday um, on the WWE Network from Chase Field in Phoenix, uh, big uh, outdoor baseball stadium where the Arizona Diamondbacks play. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to just um, cosmetically what the setup's going to oh, look of like. like yeah, the, I, I love stadium shows, but like, man, like the, the outdoor feel and what the 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 architectural structuring. It's going to look interesting in a baseball yeah, stadium more is. so than a, a typical football one that we're used to seeing now. So just that's yeah, definitely something. So to let's look just go to. over some quick picks here. We'll kind of run it down. Um, I don't really care much about the cruiserweight match, so I'll just say Buddy Murphy's going to win. Um, tag team titles: The Bar against Miz and Sheamus. I'm going. I'm going. Um, is is it or Miz, Miz, no, yeah. Miz, Miz and Miz Shane? And Shane yeah. Sorry, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I'm going with Miz and Shane. I think I think we're going to see a little uh, BFF type group that you know will materialize into something more meaningful later down the road. But I think you know this is laying that groundwork with uh, some tag gold. This is, I mean, that's a smart choice. However, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to go with the bar because I feel like um, they're they're even though their friendship is still early, I don't think they're going to hit you know. I don't think they're gonna they're they're gonna strike gold just yet. I right. think the story is more about them gelling and clicking as a team. 
And I don't think it's going to be as instant, an instant success as Miz's character is trying to make it out to be with Shane. So that's my take. I think the I think there's more to it with Miz and Shane. And I think that's going to develop over time. But I think the bar is going to win that. Um, Raw Women's Championship: Ronda Rousey, Sasha Banks. We're going Ronda. Um, look, they're very fond of making us know that anything can happen. Um, not a huge fan of Sasha Banks in general, uh, but I think all nobody si- is these days. I think all signs point to Ronda Rousey leaving as champion. Um, she's just got a lot of momentum behind her right now, and um, that's that's she's the top star in the company right now, theoretically. Yeah. So that's the you know, unless there's grant you know plans beyond our realm of understanding, uh, seeing her leave. You know the Royal Rumble is the champion, and I'm, and putting her on again. The minute each of these people walk out of the ring that night, they are now on the road to WrestleMania individually. Yeah. And I don't. And it while it might be interesting, interesting to see what Ronda's road looks like without the Raw Women's Title around her waist. To me, it's it's just um, it's putting her road to WrestleMania into hyperdrive. Yeah. Um, with her as the champion, so. I'm going to go Ronda. I'm going to go with Ronda as well, but I think Sasha's going to have a a big performance. I think this is a big responsibility for her with the experience that she has to be able to um, help, you know, not carry, but guide along the inexperienced Ronda Rousey in this match to make a good, meaningful story in between the, in between those ropes. Um, I, you know, I, I felt in the last several years, Sasha's stock has dropped and a lot of people might attribute that to her in-ring work and, you know, the, 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 the injuries and things that have taken place in her career um i i've i'm not the biggest fan but i'm not a detractor or a hater like a lot of other people are when it comes to sasha banks but they have to in my opinion putting her on a big stage like royal rumble with someone like ronda rousey with her inexperience they have to have some kind of faith in her to do that and i i don't think this is going to lead to sasha being out on her own right away um but i think this this big performance is going to kind of turn people's heads and make people remember what she what put her on the map when it comes to her in ring skills and it might change some people's perceptions of her from from a an in-ring standpoint and her ability so i I think we'll see a a big star making performance not necessarily i shouldn't say star making but i think i think sasha's she might she might change some some perceptions from critics. Uh, let, I hope she does. Let me just put it to you that I'm way. I'm one of them, so I would say, uh, I would say, yeah, I, I, I prove me wrong. Put on a good show, man. That's all I care about. On the other side of the female contingent within WWE, you have Asuka defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against the man, Becky Lynch. Uh, I'm going to go Asuka. I think she's the title win at TLC is the beginning of kind of setting her straight again. And making her the, the, a dominant force, especially on SmackDown, where that's really needed. Um, yeah, Oscar uh, Becky Lynch is is is, um, is the great anti-hero. Who's to me, the, her stock it doesn't diminish by losing to Oscar at all. And I think, especially if they can put on the performance that highlights the strengths of Becky Lynch and why people love her, I don't see why uh, Oscar can't win. And, and everyone looks good coming out. 
I'm going to hold that prediction for just a moment and kind of pivot to the WWE Championship. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. I'm going to go with Bryan. Um, I feel like this new Daniel Bryan character has put a new lease on life with him. I felt like towards the end of his babyface run, this Yes Movement thing was kind of getting a little stale. And I feel like the very... Um, the very... Uh, earthy, crunchy, uh, nature-loving, health nut (laughs) Daniel Bryan in this character, um, it's brought a new lease on his, on his, some new shelf life to, to him as a character in WWE. And I think it's something that has some legs and will continue as the WWE champion. I'll be honest with you. When he returned last year, I didn't see him going anywhere near a championship for at least a year based on his condition with his concussions and how they were going to, how they were going to play out. So I feel like, um, a number of things factored into him becoming the champion. And I think one of them had to do with the, the, the the creative shift that fans have been complaining about, I think that had something to do with it. But also, I think um, they realized how reliable of a performer that he is um, and how much they do need him uh, right now. Uh, so I feel like this is a situation that will continue, that they're going to be able to rely on him more. And I feel like... AJ's focus really isn't the championship. At least his character's focus isn't that case. And it's we're 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 kind of seeing I wouldn't say a full blown AJ Styles Vince McMahon kind of rivalry, but I think <clears throat> excuse me, they're trying to bring out the more aggressive side of AJ with this association or lack thereof with Vince. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Daniel Bryan retains the WWE championship over AJ Styles in a really good match. I'm gonna agree. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't really have much more other, just other than to say I agree completely with everything you just said. I don't see any reason to see why not. I think there is the potential for, um, you know, an AJ Styles loss to kind of continue to ignite that Pitbull, um, new or real AJ Styles that Vince McMahon's trying to get out of him that could catapult him to a Royal Rumble victory later in the night. Um, who knows? I was thinking about uh, that, too. That's possible. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be upset either way, but if you're, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to go Daniel Bryan. Okay. All right. Um, Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar, Finn Balor. Not living in the moment. I'm not being a prisoner to any of this. It's Brock Lesnar. I don't see any reason to believe that Finn Balor is going to win the title. It's no disrespect to his skill or his overness. Um... Kind of in the same vein that Ronda Rousey leaving the champion is best for business. Brock Lesnar, assuming he is a part of business, he will be leaving as the Universal Champion. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think we're going to see another um, performance, though, with Brock and a smaller wrestler that's going to make Finn look that much stronger Um, you know we saw it with AJ Styles at Survivor Series in 2017 we saw it at Survivor Series with Daniel Bryan uh, late last year in 2018 I think we're going to see that with Brock and Finn um, you know coming out you know at the Royal Rumble so um, men's Rumble match or do you want to go women's first ladies first you want to do ladies Ladies first first. first. Um, I think this woman will uh, follow in the footsteps of her famous father. Okay. At entry number three, 
and mm. win the Royal Rumble. Wow. Charlotte Flair. Okay. Um, I think she is that she is tailor made to be an Iron Woman, much like people like Shawn Michaels and her father Ric Flair and and those in the past. I I definitely see that one being served up, and and if nothing else, she puts on a a uh, Hall of Fame performance. Yeah, Charlotte Flair. You know, this is tough because now I'm going to go back to Becky Lynch and Oscar for a minute here. Okay. Um, Asuka just won the belt recently, and I feel like um, the rebuilding of Asuka is necessary, considering that she just kind of did nothing after her loss to Charlotte at WrestleMania last year. So giving her the title or having her keep the title, I think, is a necessary component, and she shouldn't lose. However, you got Red Hot Becky Lynch who never really lost the title, and she's kind of got that gripe, you know, that, like, I was never pinned. Ronda screwed me. Um, And so, on the other hand, like I said, she's red hot right now, and she's probably, I would dare say, one of the top three most popular stars in the company. Not based on merchandise, okay? Because everyone's going to go back and say, oh, well, she ain't drawing shit for merchandise. I don't give a fuck how many t-shirts she fucking sells. Yeah. I think there. I think there's more to it than that. Um, however, I, I'm going to... I know I, I, I backtracked a little bit here, but I'll have to go with Asuka as well. Um, winning the Rumble? No, no, no. Winning her match. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going back winning to her sorry. championship yeah. match. My fault. Okay? Um, just because I feel like it would just be a waste of her winning the belt only to lose it back to Becky again. And I think there's more in the Becky Lynch story of not coming from underneath, but like chasing, chasing, chasing the belt or chasing that opportunity. Um, As far as the women's rumble match goes, that's a tough one for me because we've kind of talked about this and I'm sure this is going to come up in this discussion, but um, I mean, Becky I feel like as much as people want to see Becky Lynch win it, I think it's almost too obvious. Right. And I feel like if a Charlotte victory were to occur, um, it kind of still creates that narrative of Becky being very, like, rebellious and anti-establishment and um, kind of feeding off of that um, as they make, you know, her road to WrestleMania a little more clear. Um we kind of talked about this in a text message the other day. Um, part of me feels like that Charlotte does win, but there's a chance Becky wins the women's title and Rhonda keeps her title. And then this whole advent of change and the McMahons claiming to give the fans what they want within storyline reason creates a merger of the two women's titles and Charlotte has an opportunity to vie for both. And we kind of get the best of not both worlds, but three worlds in a sense, you know, Charlotte and Rhonda again, Becky and Rhonda, Becky and Charlotte, Charlotte and Becky, whatever the case may be, Rhonda, you know what I mean? You get the, you, you get everything rolled up into one, um, safe bet. I'm going to go with Charlotte. I'm going to go with, I'm going to agree with you and go with Charlotte for the victory, but I don't feel like, um, the, the, the path for the women 
going into WrestleMania is going to be as clear. I feel like they're going to throw some kind of monkey wrench in where we are going to get to the three of them at WrestleMania, whether it's Charlotte, um, whether it's the McMahons announcing that they merge both titles and Charlotte gets the opportunity to wrestle both girls and it's a triple threat for the undisputed WWE Women's Championship, or we get some sort of screwy finish maybe Becky loses and Becky's in the rumble and we get and I kind of talked about this on last week's show with Donovan with Chris Donovan where we get Becky and 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 Charlotte as the last two and we we recreate Lex and Brett all over again we're going to be yeah. twi- we're going to be 25 years to the anniversary of that finish what if they brought that finish back for these two maybe Ronda gets involved and screws them both or maybe they both eliminate each other and we don't have a clear cut Royal Rumble winner. I mean, you know, like I said, the advent of camera phones and the different camera angles they have nowadays, it would be hard to kind of pull that off because there's so many different uh, camera angles and ways to view the the, the elimination. Um, however, I, I could see something where they both get eliminated and, you know, Vince tries to save face and come out and say, you know what, we're not going to we're not going to wait to announce the main event of WrestleMania. Um, we're not going to wait to determine who's the winner of the Royal Rumble. You both won the Royal Rumble and you both are going to get the opportunity to meet the champion of your choice. And yeah. you can almost kind of create that 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 struggle between Becky and Charlotte of which champion do they now they both have to agree on that champion you know what I mean you can right. you can almost create that tension between the two of them like Charlotte's like well I want to face Asuka and then Becky would be like well I want Ronda you know you can you can kind of add that little twist to it so safe bet women's rumble I'm gonna go with Charlotte but it's not as clear-cut as 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 it's uh, as they're hoping it's 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 going to be. That's my case with the women. Yeah, I think it ultimately leads to like what you said: the the main event of WrestleMania being the, the three women. Yeah, makes sense. Now, what about the men's? The men's. Uh, I said it on last week's show, and I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna stick with my prediction. I'm going with Seth Rollins. Um, I think Rollins. He hasn't been as red hot, but he's been pretty hot and. They don't have him name dropping Brock Lesnar on TV in the last year or so for nothing, you know. And um, with his close association with Roman Reigns and his 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 breathtaking performances that he has in a lot of these matches, with the exception of the most recent uh, pay per view match with Dean Ambrose, um, I feel like they can add some sympathy to his character and the story of. His best friend finds finds out he has cancer and has to leave. His other best friend turns on him the same night. He's struggling to 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 make it day by day because his best friend Dean Ambrose has been torturing him. He's running through obstacles with guys like Lashley, only to eventually get to the 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 moment that he has envisioned and has craved for for so long is an opportunity to prove that he can beat Brock, that he's better than Brock, and that he's a better champion than Brock. I think that's the story there when it comes to Seth Rollins. I don't think there's a story in Braun Strowman being a surprise entrant winning the whole thing. I think that'd be fucking silly um, because I've heard rumors that there's a chance he might be cleared just to be in the Rumble match but not in the title picture itself. And I I don't know. I mean, that's that's my take on it. I think Rollins wins and he's going to challenge Lesnar at WrestleMania. I know it's been rumored in the dirt sheets, but I feel like that's the obvious story that they could go with. And it's a good story. Sometimes obvious can be good. Yeah. You know, I said it earlier, the obvious route would be Becky winning and 
I and I'm not saying it would be bad, but it would almost be too obvious in this situation. I think Rollins obviously winning and facing Lesnar. I don't think people would shit all over it. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I I will say that I I do believe that Seth Rollins will face Brock Lesnar for the Universal Title at WrestleMania. It's the obvious story. There's some legs there. I don't think it's played out not yet, at least. Um, but it's not because Seth Rollins is going to win the Royal Rumble. Um, who I think is going to win the Royal Rumble and defeat 29 other you know, men is going to be the man, Becky Lynch. I was waiting for you to say that. We kind of... We, we, Becky Lynch, in my opinion... We've talked will, about this, guys, just will, so you will, know. ...will play, will further her outlaw, anti-hero character, and after being wronged, or in her opinion, wronged, but, no, but not leaving her match with Asuka victorious as the SmackDown Women's Champion, and maybe not even leaving the Women's War Rumble as a victor or even participating in it, will find a way to enter herself late into the Men's War Rumble and a, and a prime candidate uh, or a prime scenario would involve our truth in the 30th entrant with probably as few men in activity as possible. Again, the sensitivity of you know, you know, intergender conflict is, is certainly hanging. But um, if it's if it's uh, produced and I don't want to say choreographed properly, but produced and and and, and walked through in a certain manner, um, a safe, believable scenario with Becky Lynch uh, leaving the men's Royal Rumble as the winner in my opinion, gets us to what we both believe will take place is a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. Charlotte versus... Becky and Ronda. Becky Lynch, the Men's Royal Rumble winner, and Ronda Rousey. Um, I think you can see a scenario, especially if you want to um, put an exclamation point on the heat or the uh, the excitement that a be- that a women winning the Men's Royal Rumble, which would be a never-been-done-before thing that, that the, the, the WWE is so fond of, I think... You know, eliminating a Baron Corbin to win the Royal Rumble for Becky Lynch. Who's going to hate that? You know what I yeah. mean? You're going to get people who love Becky Lynch that might even get upset that she's winning the, the men's Royal Rumble. Oh, we gave him a women's Royal Rumble. Why is she winning the men's Royal Rumble? I think you're going to have less of that if you can maximize the, the excitement of others and, and kind of mask some of that displeasure by having her eliminate someone that people hate. And Baron Corbin's a good example. John Cena would be a perfect example. Um, while well, he's you universally, think Becky could eliminate John Cena. A nice little, a nice little interaction the two had a couple weeks ago on SmackDown. I think could could, you know, create an interesting scenario where John Cena is the 29th uh, participant eliminated, the final elimination for Becky to win. Um, I don't know about that. I, uh, I, I mean, those I, are just I a couple. Your, I love your idea, yeah. but I don't know if Cena would be the guy that. It, I'm not saying he has to be. I think it would definitely need to be someone that that. Um, that protects that that again protects, protects the rumble concept protects the concept protects the controversial idea of a man and a woman fighting each other and like i said more importantly uh can help mask any displeasure with the winner um these more rumbles are you know smart mark shows where we get very upset with who wins and such and in recent years, who's been the last guy eliminated in the Royal Rumbles? Roman Reigns. People would have been very upset in 2017 if Randy Orton won the thing and he eliminated Goldberg. Yep. 
or you know Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah, they would have said that it's another. It's it's a superstar, already established guy winning. Yeah. We don't want him anymore. We want someone new. We want someone fresh. fresh. Yeah, they didn't want Roman Reigns, who was persona number enemy one. Yeah, um, and it made Randy Orton look formidable. Um, so I think to me. A lot would have to be put into place to make that work, but that's my prediction. We're going to see a the big four pay-per-view probably have its most historic moment. And Becky Lynch, the man from the, from the women's division, is going to defeat 29 other men in the men's Royal Rumble and punch her ticket to WrestleMania and cement what we already believe to be will be the main event involving herself, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey. I mean, I love the idea because of the whole the man concept and, you know, and the way that they can construct it and produce it and choreograph it. And it would have to be someone that, you know, not necessarily the fans take too seriously, but someone that, um, you know, like you can't have her eliminating a Seth Rollins, obviously, or a, a big name, but it's got to be someone as silly as like an R Truth or someone who's easily hateable, like a Baron Corbin, for them to to Leo Rush. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, who would ever think that Leo Rush would be the last guy eliminated in a Rumble? But you know what? Yeah, he got he has heat. Yeah, he's just a guy. I'm not even yeah. saying it could no, be. No, I know, but, I know, I know. What you know, you mean. I, I there would be a per, there would be a, dis, a deliberate per, purpose for yeah. who she is touching. In, you know, in her interactions and who she eliminates to become the winner. All right, all right. Yeah, well, that, you know, <laughs> I, I think we're going to end on that note there. That's a that's a very, very bold Royal Rumble prediction. I like it, and I'm on board with you with it. So um, I'd like to thank you very much for joining me once again for this, uh, this Royal Rumble 1994 watch-along, talking, uh, you know, our, some days from our childhood reminiscing reflecting on this event as well as discussing uh this upcoming royal rumble this weekend uh for those of you out there that would like to know that should know that you know our big travelers on social media we at kicking out at two are on social media hit us up facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two if you are not part of the fun be part of the fun hit the like button and join us we have all kinds of discussions links to archive shows debates pictures videos memes all kinds of fun over there retro throwback pro wrestling fun at its finest facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two same goes for twitter our handle is at kicking out two k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t and the number two you can also find me on on Retromania, marking out the days with Kobe Nida, where we discuss important and not so important events in wrestling history on those particular dates. This week, January the 24th, Kobe and I talk some Royal Rumbles. We talk an NWA Bunkhouse Stampede, WCW sold out 1998, and so much more. You can search for that on the Retromania Facebook page. Search Retromania, W-R-E-T-R-O, Mania. Um, you can also find uh, marking out the days on iTunes, Retromania mania.blogspot.com and moleholeradio.com as well as uh, you can find the links to uh, old Marking Out the Days episodes or I shouldn't say they're old because we're only about three or four episodes in but you can find links to the archives of those shows on the Kicking Out at 2 SoundCloud stream over at soundcloud.com um, yeah that about does it thank you once again man for, for being a part of this it's a lot of fun and uh, yeah. I'll certainly get you back in fairly fairly soon and with that being said instead of putting the show down for the three count because once again it's another royal rumble themed edition of kicking out of two it's time we throw this show over the top rope both feet landing on the floor and we will see you all next week